Hello friends and welcome to another episode of Solo BG Podcast. This is episode number 93 and today it's a very special one because we kick in with a series of episodes where we do interviews with content creators, publishers, designers, and so on and so forth. You name it, people that are in the hobby industry, people that mainly uh, contribute to the solo board gaming experience and not necessarily, you know, I try to bring... Trying to bring some other celebrities around the hobby, I guess, if you want to call it. Once again, this is episode number 93. And with this, we start with this special series of episodes as we reach episode number 100. That mythic episode number 100 that I'm very excited and looking forward to share with you. But not only that one, this was in general. And in this one, uh, we have a very special guest. Uh, you probably know him better from Not Board Gaming. And as you can read in the title... This episode will be with my friend Mark Dainty, which uh, he is from England. He has a solo exclusively uh, YouTube channel over there, Not Board Gaming, once again. So you can check it out on YouTube. And we talk about a lot of games, a lot of games, uh, a very unique one is particular special games, uh, which is uh, one of the Kickstarters that I'm very hyped about it. So stay tuned for that during this episode. If you want to support the show, you can go to kickstartedgames.com. That's kickstarted with ED. Kickstartedgames.com and get 15% off from your total purchase. Putting the code SOLOBG all together, SOLOBG, and you get 15% off from your total purchase. And it's 100% uh, or more, $100, I'm sorry, or more free shipping in the US. You can get some fantastic games over there and great discounts. With the code SOLOBG, uh, once again to kickstartedgames.com. Uh, also, you can follow us in social media at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SOLOBG Podcast. Just all together, SOLOBG Podcast. I really want to thank to all of you that have reached out to me either through email at SOLOBGPodcast at gmail.com or through social media as well. There's a lot that we're going to talk about in this episode, and I want to make this intro as short as possible just because. This interview was great, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I'm pretty sure Mark enjoyed it and as I enjoyed it for sure. So with that being said, let's start like always in 3, 2, 1. Are you looking for that Kickstarter game that you missed during the Kickstarter campaign? Are you looking for that awesome and mythic expansion for one of your favorite board games? Are you sad because you didn't got the Kickstarter version of that game? Or perhaps you are like me and like to get a game with Kickstarter exclusive components and stretch goals. Well, don't look any further and go right now to kickstartergames.com. There you will find Kickstarter board games, expansions, Kickstarter exclusive content, graphic novels, RPG novels, toys and collectibles, and much more. Kickstarter Games is my favorite site to go and get those amazing games that I want to have on my gaming collection. Plus, they offer free shipping in the US when you spend $99 or more. And if that wasn't enough, right now you can get a 15% off if you use the code SOLOBG. That's right, use the code SOLOBG altogether and obtain 15% off from your total purchase. So go right now and check it out while you listen to this episode. Once again, www.kickstartedgames.com and enjoy all those amazing games.
Welcome to Solo BG, your podcast for solo and cooperative board games. Here you will find everything you need to know about your favorite and most recent games. Art, rules, gameplays and interviews. Here is your host, Derek Rodriguez. So, alrighty, friends, like I told you on the introduction, I'm here with my good friend, Mark, all the way from England, all the way from the land, uh, from Notboard Gaming. Mark, how are you? It's evening today, tonight. I don't know even what time is over there right now. <laughs> so, it's in the afternoon here, Derek. Hi, Derek. Great to, great to be speaking with you again. It's just about four o'clock in the afternoon here uh, on a wet uh, kind of May day in the uh, UK. So, I live in Sheffield, which is kind of the Yorkshire area, so kind of just above the middle of the country there. And it's it's good, it's good. We're, you know, we're coming out of lockdown. Everything seems to be fairly positive here. How are you? That's fantastic. You know, I'm very happy because as some of you listeners remember, this is the second time that Mark is here on the podcast. And I feel like you deserve, you know, you deserve it, Mike, uh, Mark, a better quality uh, podcast like versus what the one that we did before. I remember the one that we did before. Uh, I was having problem with my uh, equipment, and literally, I just went into one of the, of the rooms of my houses, on my house, and just with my cell phone, and you know, trying to record there, and it was very low, probably uh, audio quality. But now we are here with with a little bit, at least a little bit better. Uh, we're looking at each other through uh, Discord now, so it's, it should be a very uh, you know nice chat, a more intimate chat. And at the same time, more yeah. fun because we, we're ready to bring some fantastic... Well, you're ready to bring some fantastic games to the table because, of course, my friends, as I told you in the, the introduction, we will start with this series of episodes that Mark is kicking in from Not Board Gaming once again. And we're going to be doing these interviews in a very thematic, just as we like, in a very thematic, strategic, and chaotic way at the same time. We will be uh, basically all our guests, in this case, Mark, are going to be giving us our favorite, their favorite top five games, starting from number five all the way to number one. But as we are, uh, you know, mentioning those games, there's going to be topics that are going to be coming out, and we're going to be trying questions and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. And I wanted to tell you this because, once again, this is the first episode of the series that is going to kick in with these amazing uh, designers, publishers, content creators from out there that literally, literally bring a lot of joy to our hobby every day, every night, and every evening. So, Mark... We are ready to start. I hope you, you pre you're ready with your five favorite wow. games that you will bring to a desert island if you have to. <laughs> and I, I suppose I've got unlimited ability to carry these games as well because at least one, <laughs> well, at least two of them are very, very big games. Yeah. And like all these lists, it's, it's, it's not necessarily the games that you mention. I feel guilty for leaving some games out at the sure. same time, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I've recently fallen in love with a lot of the Vita, well, with all of the Vital Asserta games, and I think they're absolutely fantastic. And, and, uh, and yeah, I look at a game like, say, Street Masters, which is definitely in my top 10, but, you know, uh -huh. it's not quite made it to my top five. So I had to think about this top five, and I think I'm going to start off with a game from one of my favorite publishers, uh -huh. um, and that's Chip Theory Games, and that game is Cloud Spire. Have uh -huh. you played Cloud Spire, Derek? You know what? It's funny because I remember on the last episode that we recorded together, you actually recommended, and at that time it was... It was, if I'm not mistaken, Mark, it was like at the beginning of COVID, uh, things were still uncertain. And I was thinking, you know, back in 2020, well, I will get it probably in Gen Con 2020, but Gen Con 2020 never happened. Now, yeah. Gen Con 2021, it's happening actually today. I read this morning the news that on May 23rd, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the four-day uh, batches are coming on for sale 
which I myself, I'm going to be there. I know the convenience of living in Indianapolis. But um, I'm looking forward to get a copy on, on Gen Con 2020. Hopefully, of course, if the publisher decides to, to come to Gen Con. And if it doesn't, well, that will be the last call for me. And I will have to go online uh, marketing. <laughs> and I will try to get a copy <laughs> online. Uh, but definitely, it's a game that I want to try. Because as you were mentioning, it, it's it's tough, you know, that to leave games out of the top five list. Because sometimes sure. games grows on us. Uh, even if it's, you know, not a fantastic game. Sometimes it's like a very, you know, low-profile game that not a lot of people follow, not a lot of people like. But sometimes, you know, it has like a personal relationship with you. Especially because you, yeah. you get the jo enjoyment from there. Uh, versus sometimes Absolutely. other other fellows doesn't doesn't get it, and I guess it's very subjective, right? Like like reviews, is they're always very subjective at the same times. Uh, but Cloudspire, I really wanna uh, play Cloudspire, and that's why I wanna hear more from you. But before you start, let me let me give you the BGG facts from Cloudspire. Cloudspire, okay. it's an eight point three game rated over there. The rank overall, it's six hundred and seventy one from all the database. A strategy game, it has the place number 314. Use towers, minions, and heroes to help your faction claim an island in the sky. Uh, it has uh, 1,500 ratings over there. It's one to four players, age 13 year plus. It plays in 90 to 100 minute, uh, 180 minutes, which you will tell us that if, if that's uh, not the case. Yeah. Uh, with a weight complexity of 4.2 out of 5. So it's a complex game. And it's designed by Josh Carlson, Adam Carlson, Josh Wilgus. And uh, it's published by Chip Theory Games. So start with Cloudspire. I want to hear more about it. And that way you can incite me to get a copy. So I think that Cloudspire for me is one of the most unique gaming experiences I've had. And I will absolutely say up front, it's not going to be for everyone. Well, first of all, when we talk about the components, it's a Chip Theory Games game. So therefore, we know the quality of the components is going to be fantastic. It's neoprene mats. It's poker chips. You know, they, unlike too many bones, there aren't really that many dice in this. There are some additional miniatures you can buy for the tower. So it's got a really fantastic table presence. And just that feeling of kind of moving chips around on the neoprene just feels so good. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a game has to have game behind table presence. It, it can't just look good. There has to be a game there. And Cloud Spy just provides this really unique uh, kind of MOBA tower defense experience that you play either mm -hmm. solo or cooperative or PvP. Um, it's got a wonderful amount of scenarios that are in there, and they are challenging, and they are really, really challenging, these scenarios. And each game will play a little bit differently, just depending on the actions that are taken as well. Um, and also there are a number of factions. I think there are four or five factions factions in the base game then they've just released another two factions as well and each faction is wildly asymmetrical mm -hmm. so what you got is just these endless amounts of uh, kind of variability and playability in there and you mentioned kind of the the time scale being kind of i think you said 60 to 180 minutes something like that i would say if i'm playing a scenario in cloud spire it's going to be closer to the 180 minute mark than it is to the 60 minute mark unless i lose very very quickly if i'm playing it all the way through okay. i want to take my time thinking about the very the decisions etc now um, you know, from a solo perspective, it's utterly fantastic. You lay it out on the table, looks great. You can get lost in it. And I like to leave it set up for a few days so I can play a couple of scenarios at the same okay. time. But I have played it with others as well. So about a year ago, uh, Paul Grogan from Gaming Rules and I, um, we did a, an online uh, play of Cloud Spire on a PvP basis. So, was, you know, we were playing against each other on that. And then just earlier this week, Paul Grogan and I did, a uh, again, an online uh, Cloud Spire, um, which was broadcast on, on Gaming Rules channels, where we worked together on a solo scenario. Now, that 
took us four hours. To, <laughs> the, and that's a joined force of Paul and I. Yeah. Um, it took us four hours to complete the scenario. We won at the end, but quite a few times throughout the scenario, it looked like we were really going to lose. And I think that's the beauty of the game, mm-hmm. is that there's no definite one path to victory. You've got to think about a changing strategy. It makes you think, it looks great, it's unique. There's not another game out there that gives me the kind of feel that Cloud Spy gives me. Okay. Now, that scenario that you were playing with Paul, is it a new upcoming scenario or is one scenario that is including is included on the it's game? It's one of the one of the existing scenarios from, okay. from the game. So they've just slightly rejigged the rules recently in the because they've just released version 1.2 or version 2.0, whatever you want to call it. Um, so they've just rejigged the rules, uh, but it's the same scenario that's always been there. And I have played it on my own in the past, this particular scenario, and beat it. Um, but, you know, that was quite a while ago when I played it. So playing it with Paul the other night, um, it just felt fresh and it felt new and we came across some new challenges as well. So for me, it's got endless amounts of replayability. Not only as a solo player can you play the solo scenarios, sure. there's a full book of cooperative scenarios as well, but it's also got an endless mode. So imagine like the old kind of, uh, you know, the video games where the baddies just keep coming and coming and yeah, coming. Sure. Cloud, you can do exactly the same in Cloud Spire. So again, it's just got this ultimate replayability. I just love everything about it. Yeah, and you know, sometimes it's funny because I was I was talking to um, to uh, my gaming group recently, which we did a trip to St. Louis, Missouri, and we were at, uh, we do this every year. And we try to go to miniature market stores and everything here in, in America, but um, you know, sometimes in the solo mode or solo gaming universe, of course we have to worry about replayability because you know we're playing solo, and especially we love campaigns we tend to love uh thematic games or games that even if it's just you know the same if you want to call it a scenario every time you really want to have some replayability there because once again you don't have that aspect or not every time you have that aspect of a gaming group where just the different type of players contribute to that replayability in a game per se so uh, i'm glad to hear that also in cloud spire just as we didn't have enough campaigns already <laughs> we have also more more uh you know path to go and follow as we as we play the game but mark what would you rate cloud spire and, and here in solo bg we rate it we rate the games from zero to five where five it's an excellent game you love it you can bring it literally every day every night to the table and zero of course a game which i know is not the case uh, a game that you don't want to even waste energy on burning it because it's just like a burden. It's, it shouldn't exist out there. It's just just by the fact that you know that it exists, it brings you, you know, that those awful thoughts. Um, so, I, and, and I have to say that I see a lot of in, in your in your channel, I, I'm pretty sure that you love and the rating is going to be super high for, uh, for Cloud Spire. Not only because you're putting in the top five, but also because I see very often that you had that beautiful neoprene mat over there from Cloud Spire. <laughs> and, yes. and I'm yeah. a sucker. I'm a sucker of neoprene mats. I mean, I, I, I'm at the point that I, the part that I hate is to storage them and have them organized. But literally every Kickstarter, and we're going to talk more about it in a little bit, every Kickstarter that offers me the option of neoprene mat. I ended up you getting it. it. It's like a big hook for me. So, um, so yeah, what, what will you think from, from Cloudspire? We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. And that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Oh dear. Yes. And sometimes 
it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The yeah. way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. So it's it's difficult because I I, I generally don't rate games because uh-huh. it's it's in a state of flux. But you know I'm, I'm, I'll concede for these five games and uh, mm-hmm. and for me this is for me. Class by may not be the same for the people because of its levels of complexity, sure, uh, or relative levels of complexity. Uh, but for me, it's a solid kind of four and a half game, basically. Okay, out of nice. Five. Yeah, nice, I, nice. it's it's something I can. It's something when I played it the other night with Paul, I was uh, you know we were chatting after the stream. And uh, and I was saying I was I get a little bit sad that I don't get to play it enough, sure. uh, because it is a game that demands time. So yeah, for me, it's a game I would play week in week out if I had the, the time in my schedule to do it. So yeah, a, a decent four and a half out of five for Cloudspire. Yeah, I mean a four point five out of five. It's like a very high rating. It's like if you go absolutely. It's like if you go yeah. to BGG and it's like a nine or nine point five, almost there. Yeah, almost to that holy grail. Uh, you know, rating that that you yeah. that you want to find in every game. Now, talking about you know, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that you don't rate the games because um, your channel, which I highly recommend, that not board gaming, uh, is been growing a lot on me recently. I think you've been growing a lot also, if if you allow me to say, on on every aspect on the channel. Of course, I mean we we all do. We all that we call ourselves, uh, you know, content creators. I guess. Uh, we grow as we keep doing episodes, or we as we are keep creating co- uh, content, and you learn a, a, a few things or or, or more, right? Um, but yeah. definitely, uh, it's interesting. Interesting that once that's one aspect. You don't rate games. You you basically talk about the game. Uh, you show sometimes you record playthroughs, or you show a little bit of the pe- playthrough or ideas. Uh, now we agree on this, and probably unless you tell me otherwise, that reviewers or reviews of games are very subjective. With that being said, yes. I mean, like you said, Cloudspire, I mean, it's a complex game for what it seems. And probably that's why for some people it won't be a great game. But for other reviewers, it will be a great game. It just depends on your cup of tea. It just depends on, on you know, on, on your gaming ways, I guess. Um, now, I wanted to ask you this, Mark. Do you think there's, in reality, bad games out there? Or is more it, it more falls into the subject subjectivity, I guess, if that's a word, yeah. of their reviewer. So, so absolutely, there will be games out there that um, have broken mechanisms that just do not work. Now, I think the thing about reviewers, uh, and this question gets asked a lot, is you know reviewers only give games good reviews. Yeah. Um, and there's a there's an assumption that we get all our games sent through from games companies to review, and that is not the case. I still buy well over ninety, maybe ninety five percent of all the games that I review. And let's let's bear in mind a review is very different to a preview. Mm-hmm. Um, a preview is generally a bit of marketing spiel. It's it's focusing on the positives. Where a review, um, I buy ninety ninety five percent of the games that are out there. Have I reviewed some stinkers? Yes, and um, you know, for me, my very worst solo experience that I've had was Pendulum last year. Uh, I and, and this was a review copy that was sent through to me by Stonemeyer, and I did not hold back in my uh, in my complete and utter dislike of the so. It was just a, a solo mode that should not have existed. So yes, absolutely. Now people disagreed with me. Absolutely fine. And that's the key thing, and I think that's why you know I, I potentially don't rate my game uh, rate uh, games in my reviews. 
Uh, and it's really important that people get a cross-section of reviewers' opinions as well. Yeah. It's just how a game makes me feel, as you said, is not the same as a game makes you feel. Everything I do is subjective. Yes, there's sometimes some unconscious bias there, which you can't get away from. It's unconscious bias. Yes, sure. Um, uh, but I try, you know, I try to be, well, I'm always up front saying about whether it's a review copy or not. Um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to say in my reviews when I'm negative about a game, who I think the game might appeal to. So sure. recently I, I I got a review copy of Red Rising. It wasn't for me. It's an okay game, uh, but the lack of thematic integration uh, just really affected how, I, how much I enjoyed the game. But there are people out there that absolutely love it, that love the Red Rising universe. So I'm trying to be more balanced in saying it's definitely not for me, but you might enjoy it if you like X, Y, and Z. But absolutely, reviews are subjective. That's why they are reviews. It's no different to Siskel and Ebert reviewing a film uh, and saying they don't. Oh, oh, oh Siskel and Ebert, whoever it is next, Roger Ebert has just left now, isn't it? But yeah, uh, but yeah, it's no, it's uh, it's no different to one of the film reviewers reviewing a film and giving it a one out of five, yeah. and then you going to see the film and thinking it's a five out of five. You know, it's subjective. Yeah, yeah, no, and I agree too. And you know, um, that's the that's the other part that. Uh, somebody was asking me recently, which, by the way, before we kick out of the show, I will say hi to all of the amazing people that have reached out. But uh, somebody was was telling me recently, like, hey, Derek, you know, it seems like on your podcast, you always uh, seem very excited about the games and, and very energized about the games. Uh, and you tend to give uh, positive, you know, reviews to the games. And I guess it falls into what well, you were, were just talking, Mark, that, and I think we can relate on that as well, that usually... I bring games to the, at least to my content creation, games that I enjoy by playing it. That that's my tendency. And that's my huge bias, I guess. Uh, it's very hard for me to bring games that I actually didn't enjoy playing it. it it's just hard, unless I it was sent like in, like yeah. you were mentioning by a publisher. And even in those cases, sometimes when they send me games that I actually didn't enjoy, I think. I'm, I will mention them, but I won't do episodes about it just because I try to, you know, be, be very aware that it's subjective. And I don't want to damage probably the crowd out there that they will really enjoy the game. Because you have, of course, in, the, in this atmosphere, big names that I will mention, big content creator names, big channels out there that crowd tend to follow or some people tend to follow. That if literally if this guy says that it's a, it's a bad game, that he didn't like it or she didn't like it. People won't buy it. And at the same time, I think publishers and designers don't deserve that as well because, uh, you know, it, it's very subjective. So I, I guess I wanted to hear more, I want to hear more about your input on that because as you and I feel like you and I, we share similar paths that we uh, and we will talk more about how you, you begin with your content creation. But I mean, we start very fairly similar at the same time. I feel like uh, our contents, even if it's you're doing YouTube, I'm doing audio, it's, you know, kind of like in the same the same team let's say per, 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 yeah. per that way um and and you know sometimes it's hard sometimes it's hard because uh, now i've been getting uh more which i really appreciate copies of games that i think they're not my cup of tea but at the same time i'm like i'm always thinking like well if i bring them to the podcast as a full episode i don't want to take people away from that game that it would be probably a good game for for them just because either it doesn't fit on my gaming group or i doesn't like it And once again, yeah. it, being in the hobby, you don't want to kind of affect other publishers or designers because at the end of the day, it's somebody is behind that project and somebody has been putting a lot of effort, love, time, dedication, you name it. So what's, what's your input on that? So I think that, you know, um, 
I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head that there are some big content creators out there that, that absolutely sway the market. But these tend to be the channels, you know, you get kind of diced how as you should up and sit down Jurados. They get sent most of the review, most of the games as review copies. Yeah. So they can be a little bit, you know, they, they don't, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter what they say, they're still going to get sent review copies. Um, uh, for us, it's slightly different. It's not that I don't want to badmouth the game. If I get sent a review copy that I haven't asked for and I don't like the game, I will say that it doesn't work for me and I don't like it. Um, but as I said, we kind of, I still buy 90, 95% of the sure. games I buy. And I go through exactly the same process as anybody else buying a game. I research it. I make sure that it's worth me spending 50, 60, 100 pounds on. Um, and therefore, the chances are, if I bought the game, I've researched it, chances are I'm going to like it when I, or like it more when I play it. So that's not bias. That is just the fact that, you know, if I'm giving games positive reviews, it's because I've spent my hard-earned cash on it <laughs> and I've done the research to find yeah. out whether it's worth me uh, worth me buying there. So, yeah, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a weird situation. I think people think that um, potentially as content creators, we get everything and we should be nice for everything. But that is not strict. That's definitely not the case. And I think, you know, we need to just make sure that um, we are creating a clear delineation between a review, which is, as I say, a, a full, unexpurgated kind of uh, view on it, a subjective view on it, and a preview. And a preview is where, you know, it's generally a, a piece of marketing. It's where we're going to focus on the kind of good points about a game that's coming to Kickstarter or is just about to hit retail as well. So there are different kind of different ways that we approach it. And I think, you know, yeah, uh, some of the big boys, uh, they can make or break the sales of a game. Um, but that's just the nature of any industry where where something is produced for review. If a large reviewer doesn't like it then or does like it, then that will absolutely affect the sales of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's funny because you were mentioning that you do it the right way. You research, you, you look for videos, and, and that's how it's supposed to be because at the end of the day, the price on board games, it seems like it's just getting higher and higher and higher as we demand as, as we demand more quality and as we are suckers for miniatures and as we are suckers for neoprene mats and I want campaigns and this and that. Well, chances are the prices are going to keep going higher, you know, and especially because of the situation that we're facing right now worldwide or that we faced last year, uh, that now it seems to get better. Unfortunately, from, from for some countries, still very hard, and we send our, our best uh, thoughts to them. But, um, you know, it seems like everything is, is, is getting higher. Now, I have to say that I do the things, Mark, and I have mentioned this before, in completely the opposite way, in the wrong way. Don't do it the direct way because that's the wrong way. Where, um, for example, I was just, and I don't want to give any more publicity, but you know, I was just in Miniature Market in St. Louis, Missouri, and I'm just here like browsing, just like if it was like a bookstore uh, where I don't know too much about books, and I just go and like, oh, this looks cool, oh, whatever, boom, I get it. And that's the wrong way, because as you say, we're investing, uh, because I do myself as well get 99.9% .9 of the games that I bring to the channel or review or play during my game nights. It's games that I have bought. It's, it's very, I mean, I would love if they would send me the full pledge of Nemesis, which is one that I'm waiting for. Uh, but that the reality is not. The reality is that I spend more than $400 on the Kickstarter to get that game and, and the same thing. But I do the things, I tend to do the things very wrong, Mark. I tend to, you know, just browse, see how it looks, see if the theme will appeal to me and just get it. And that's completely wrong. I always encourage people to research to watch videos, to go, in this case, to Not Board Gaming, if <laughs> you can find some of the videos and see if the game is for you. Uh, and I guess that's why, also, I leave a lot of games from my episodes, even games that I bought, outside, because once again, 
in my case, and I don't know if you have that that particular bias as well, uh, which we, we touched a little bit uh, before. In my case, I just it's hard for me to bring a game that I didn't like to the table unless Absolutely. unless I have the moral commitment. Uh, and when I mean to the table, I mean to the podcast. In case I have the moral commitment, which I think we which we all should do, honestly, at the same time, even if I mentioned it a little bit ago that there's some games that. You know, I feel like they won't, they won't, they wouldn't be for me. As a small content creators or beginning content creators, so whatever you want to call it, I feel like we have that moral, um, you know, response. Unless you tell me otherwise, of hey, you know, somebody spent effort of sending me these copies. Somebody spent, if you want shipping only, even if a copy sells on, on the market for a hundred dollars, for them it was probably twenty five dollars plus shipping just to send you a copy for you to create some content. So I see it as a support, right, to, to the different uh, out, outside their uh, content creators. So you, you, at, at least I feel like the moral response, like, okay, I have to review it. But it's hard, Mark. It's hard. I have to say, and this, is, this sounds more like a therapy episode. It's hard to bring, <laughs> it has to bring, it has, it's hard to, to create content for games that I don't like. It's hard. Yeah, because, you, you know, at the end of the day, I you know, your podcast is going to take you, you know, this is going to take us, what, 90 minutes to record, then you have to edit it, you have to put yeah. it all together. That's a lot of your time. And then, you know, same with, with doing a video. As you know, I do long-form videos. Mm -hmm. My videos generally anywhere between kind of 30 and 60 minutes. Um, and because of my work schedule uh, and my real-life schedule and my family, et cetera, that means, you know, I have to I have to devote a lot of time before I do a video. I have to learn a game i have to play a game three or four or more times uh to do that then it's sometimes a full day of recording and editing and uploading etc i don't want to invest that in a game i don't like so i won't go out there and buy a game that people don't like just to review it to say i don't like it different with review copies if they're sent through i'll invest the time in it but of course i will um, i will uh you know if i don't like it i will say i don't like it but this goes back to and it kind of it's it's a little bit of a shame that some people will go out there and just watch shut up and sit down or just go out there and just watch Rado. I say, you know, you're investing 50, 60, 100, 150 dollars sure. in a game. Get a wide variety of reviews. You know, just because it's not right for me doesn't mean it's not right for you. Just because it's not right for Rado doesn't mean it's not right for you. Just I because uh, shut up and sit down, love it. You know, get you know, spend a couple of hours. If you can spend a hundred pounds on a game then spend a couple of hours over a week or so watching various reviews because that, that, that couple of hours could save you £100 or it could make you make you sure that, you know, your £100 is well spent. So, yeah, go and get a wide opinion on people. Yeah, and I agree with you because, once again, don't do it the Derek way. Don't do it that way. Do your, <laughs> do your research. We've all done it that way, Derek, as well. I've done it the same thing yeah. as well, an impulse buy. The, yeah. the sad part is, like, it's been quite of a while already for me being in the hobby, which we're going to take the time machine a little bit, Mark, and go with you. And I still do yeah. it, but anyway. And yes, you're right. Just to to close this chapter, I guess from this uh, from this uh, a little bit of conversation between number five and number four, um, you have to keep in mind out, out there, amazing listeners as well. And this is not something that we're going, of course, against. Uh, you know, uh, shut up and sit down. Dice Tower, right? Or I mean, I don't I don't think that's the case. But you need to yeah. stop and think about as well that those content creators have been, of course, they out there for a while, and some of them. They do this for a living. They basically live from this. They basically live from the industry, from doing their reviews, from doing the videos. They also, you know, have fees, which it's fair for some uh, new Kickstarter companies or new designers to play their games on, on videos and stuff. So when you look at it that way, like Mark was saying, 
I mean, they they would the reviews. I feel they will it will be different. Yes, of course they have more experience with the hobby. Yes, of course they have seen infinite mechanics out there, and they have more, um, you know, probably uh, tools or learning process to to give you those reviews that they do. But at the same time, sometimes it's interesting to look back and watch or hear uh, reviews from like Mark that you know you spend. You spend your 100 pounds, like you mentioned, or 120 pounds or 400 pounds on a Kickstarter. So you actually took that, you know, hard work process and, and that process of learning and stuff versus something that, well, you do it because you live from it. Because as yeah. and as, as we, as I'm pretty sure, you don't live from not board gaming. I mean, you have your normal life uh, just, yeah. <laughs> just as I do. And you have to pay your bills just as I do. And like most of our, our amazing listeners do as well from your normal uh enjoy it or even chaotic or whatever you want to call uh work right so so i just wanted to put it out there i I think that's it and you know that's key thing is we don't live from this most of us don't live from this most reviewers don't live from this i am you know the the hobby and the content creation point point i'm in it for thousands at the moment you know there's no way i could make a living out of this i'd have to (laughs) i'd have to work solely on this for about six months to make back the money i've sunk into the channel to get the channel to this stage so so yeah there is no um yeah yeah i i mean i don't charge for anything no previews or anything like that so i i do it purely because i enjoy the creation process yeah uh, whereas some people will charge for previews and that's absolutely fine uh there's no problem with that previews not reviews that's different mm-hmm. uh so but, but yeah i don't charge for previews uh so if i get sent them through it's my time i'm sinking into that um yeah. and then i still have a very busy full-time real life job behind all that as i say and all the family <laughs> stuff so yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i know and, and by the way beautiful family i see i have uh the honor to be you know uh, to call myself your friend and um you know, being Facebooks as well because of the distance, yeah. and I really enjoy, uh, you know, all the pictures that sometimes you post on your personal life with your, with your girls, and and you know, with your beautiful wife as well. That she's very talented. She's a singer, and and she also has a, a hair salon, I believe, or a hair studio. Yeah, I don't know correct. what they call yeah. it in, yeah. in England, but uh, very talented. So you know, it's it's great to sometimes to see also the. Um, the uh, you know not the personal life but you know the real life I guess we want to call yeah. it from some of the yeah. of the of the people that are working in the hobby industry but anyway Mark that will be topic for another podcast uh, and okay. we will bring your wife one time as a guest of course <laughs> <laughs> um, well, number four Mark I'm eager to hear you number four okay I had to think long and hard about this and to be honest with you eventually it's probably going to rise further in the ranks for me uh, okay. and it's a game that's new to new to me this year okay um, but not necessarily a new game or the, this version of it is uh, and this is anachrony the infinity box nice. by by mind clash and David Turchi, etc there mm-hmm. so I know anachrony as a game has been out for probably a couple of years now and then when they did the Kickstarter for the infinity box about 18 months ago yeah I decided I would wait. Mm-hmm. for that so it's been it was like a um uh i i got the opportunity to buy it a number of times the base game after i'd uh, backed the infinity box and i resisted because i wanted to experience all of it in its all its glory and it is a bloody big box of stuff you get in yeah. there and uh it's a mind clash game uh mind clash games game so you would think you know it, it on the surface of it, it looks fairly complex, but in reality, it's a relatively straightforward game to play. And I don't know if you know too much about Anachrony. Mm-hmm. Effectively, I do. It's yeah, it's a worker placement game, and you mm-hmm. are managing resources. And you are you. There's a, 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 a meteor, uh, an asteroid meteor, coming down to hit Earth, and there's effectively two halves of the game. Yeah, it's the stuff before the meteor hits about trying to prepare for the meteor hit, and then the stuff after the meteor hits. 
where you're trying to reestablish kind of society or maintain momentum at that point. And there's a time travel mechanic into it. Yeah, so you, yeah, yeah. early on in the game, you can go and get resources or robots or, um, or mech suits, shall I say, from the future, mm-hmm. bring them back to your time frame. And then when you hit that point later in the future, you then have the ability to pay back what you've done. And it creates paradoxes, etc. Now, the base game is, is very, very good. And it's a great way to learn. But the Infinity Box uh, came with all the various expansions that have been released for it. Excuse me. But no, you're fine. So things like Fractures of Time, etc., and various modules that you can add to, add to it. So it's a completely modular experience. You could play it loads of times and play different parts, or different modules and additions in there. It just gives this wonderful amount of variability on there. And I love it. It's not that complex a game to learn. Um, and it's a game that I know I'm going to play in a couple of hours and have a really good time. It really scratches that worker placement Euro itch for me. Um, and I just love everything about it. I think it's just a work of genius. Anachrony. Anachrony, Mark, is, you know, I will tell you my story, but before we jump, let me tell you the BGG facts, of course. And while I'm mentioning the BGG, you will imagine, um, of course, they're not sponsors of the show or anything like that. It's just because I feel like 90, I would dare to say 95% of us gamers out there, we usually try to go once in a while, or, or we tend to go at least once in a month to BGG and check about a game that we're interested on. Once again, I don't do too many research, but the research, the small research that I do is usually going to the website. Um, Anachrony, it has a rank overall of 44, so it's very high out there, Mark, on the database. And Strategy has the place number 33. Uh, it was made on 2017, 8.1, which is a high rating as well for an uh, BGG, which we will talk about ratings in a little bit, Mark, as well, because it's interesting how BGG rank their games and how you can see the ranks out there. But anyway, uh, use exosuits and time travel, which is one of my favorite thematics of my favorite themes, I'm sorry, ever. Every movie that there is released with time travel, I don't care if it's a romantic movie, I will still watch it. Just because time travel, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely my cup of tea. Uh, you use time travel to ensure your vision for the future after the cataclysm. Just like Mark said, a meteorite is coming and it's going to blow everything up. Uh, it's one to four players, age 15 year plus, uh, 30 to 120 minutes. Uh, weight complexity, it's actually less, co- less complex than Cloudspire. It's 3.99 out of yeah. 5. And it has uh, the alternate names, I guess, the box that you can find. You can find the Essential Edition. There's a Chinese box that I'm not able to read or think what it says. <laughs> but uh, there's also the Infinity Box, which was the recent Kickstarter. Designer by David Tersey. And he also has uh, some other designers that collaborate, like uh, Rich, Richard Ammon and Victor Peter. And what else we find here? Hold on, because I went a little bit on the click. And it's published of, like you mentioned, Mind Clash Games. Of course, there's more publishers depending on the country that you are. I know that in Spain, uh, you know, there's some other um, publishers like Maldito Games, Devir, that they release their games as well with rule books in Spanish. But the main, the main head behind behind the project was Mind Clash Game, and I believe that this was the game that actually brought David Tersey into the, you know, atmosphere and to the to the orbit of people realizing, like, who is David Tersey? That, that's my opinion, right? Like, I try to go back to, to his early designs, and definitely I, th- I think that Anachrony was, uh, you know, back in the day at least, and it's still for me, his peak of, of creation. He does fantastic games, fantastic solo modes out there. Like, one of my favorites yeah. is a very basic from Sierra West, which I love it. But I feel like Anachrony will be a beast that is going to be very, very, very hard to beat. Once again, it could be because of the theme that I I love the theme a lot. 
Uh, but yeah. for me, it's gonna be probably the climax of 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 you know Tercy. But I want to see more of his job because anyway, this doesn't matter that all his other job is 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 low profile. Low profile. I'm sorry. All the contrary, all his job is great. But when you do a creation like this, it's very, very very hard to beat. And and you know, and we will talk about more about you know those climax games from publishers in a little bit, Mark, as well. Yeah. But um, you know, I tried. Anachrony, the first time last year during the pandemic, uh, we did, uh, two of my friends and I, we did like our own Gen Con days where we basically took off those same okay. days from Gen Con and just play games. And one of my friends brought Anachrony and I didn't like it the first time. I didn't like it. Yep. Then like six months went by and he uh, bring it again to the table. I give it another try and I fall in love. Then I got my pledge from Alter Quest from uh, Brady and Adam Sadler from Blacklist Games, which, unfortunately, that game wasn't for me, which is weird because it's a very thematic mm -hmm. campaign game. But I ended up, you know, not liking the game at all. Uh, okay. And I, I put it for trade out there on, on the Facebook market. And somebody here from Indy or Indianapolis had a, you know, Anachrony. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I don't think it's Infinity Box. It's just everything that has come out for Anachrony except the Infinity part, I guess. So okay. it has the, min the exosuits, the minis, everything, expansions, all of it. So I traded, and I started to play it solo. And just with the Chronobot, though, so you will tell us more about the, the other uh, faction. Yeah, but Mark, it's just, it's a masterpiece. It's, 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 it's a beautiful game. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not disagreeing with any of that at all. I, as, and the reason it's currently my number four, and as I say, it will probably rise in the ranks the more I play it. Mm -hmm. uh, again, it's just a game that potentially would be higher, just haven't had the opportunity to play as much. Um, the Chronobot is great. It's a fantastic kind of solo AI. Um, but then you've got Chronosis, which is the next iteration of the solo bot. Okay. And once I moved away from Chronobot, which is a great way to learn the solo, uh, and onto Chronosis, I've not moved back to Chronobot, and I probably won't use Chronobot uh, anymore. It provides more age, uh, more player kind of agency, more interaction. It's more adaptable. You can put different tiles on there, which okay. make you do different things. But it, you know, it's it doesn't. And I think you look at some of you look at David Turch's stuff, and uh, and you know, there's no denying that uh, David is kind of the premier, one of the premier solar designers out there. Some great ones out there as well. Um, and I'm going through a raft of David Titchy previews at the moment. I can see you've got uh, Prison Architect in the back. Yeah, of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an upcoming day, upcoming game from David Titchy. I've just got um, the Railways of the World uh, solo preview to do, which comes to Kickstarter on the 13th. And uh, David Titchy and John Albertson have done the um, have done the uh, the solo for that. Um, and of course, I, I did Rangers Roll and Write recently as well. And I look around, and, and a large portion of my collection of David Turchie games because I like the amount of thought that goes into a solo mode from a mm -hmm. David Turchie game. Um, there is, you know, sometimes there's a complexity there, and that's okay. I don't mind doing that. And that complexity for a solo mode of, of anachrony, and you think certainly in the Infinity Box, there are multiple modules and expansions you can put in there. Chronosis is set up in a perfect way to adapt to those without relearning massive amounts of rules or just little additions that you can do on there. So once you've got the base game down of Anachrony, you know how to play the game, base game with the Chronobot, you can add the, these different modules and expansions in, and it's not that, that, much, that much more difficult to then learn the new parts there. And I think that's a bit of a genius of design there. Yeah. So I'm really kind of, to, kind of later this year as well. So I look at Dabby. Uh, Turchy inspired solo mode. It's an Instaback. I will spend a lot of money on that. And Anachrony absolutely hits the spot for me there. 
a level of complexity that makes me think and makes me feel like I'm achieving something, but not too complex that it feels like it's taking away from the game. And that's the beauty of anachrony. Yeah, anachrony, anachrony I think is great. Once again, uh, it's just the theme, like you mentioned, the mechanics of how everything flows. Uh, you know, I feel like you have different mechanics that you can that you can use very well. And that for me, anachrony, the way I see it as well is like, basically you can make three or four games out of that game. So it kind of like a mash of three or four yeah. very solid mechanic that might as well could it be different games and they all four could it be great. Like on the time travel track and you know the fact that you can go and in, into the future and ask for resources, but then make sure that when you are when you're in the future, which now will be your present, you have to supply those resources as well. Because if not, you're going to create a paradox like in the Doc Brown mentions in Back to the Future. So that, that mechanic there could be might as well his own game or their own game. Then you have the worker placement uh, mechanic, which I know that um, 99% of the Euro games out there use uh, worker placement mechanic. But here is implemented different where you can also use those yeah. resources to manage those resources. The same resources to get more resources that will give you victory points uh, to get the, the, the different tokens that will also... Um, allows you to uh, develop those technologies. Um, the dice that you that you roll to add some, you know, kind of lock to the game to see which which tokens would you get to try to get those advanced technologies. And then on your on your own board, the technologies that you can uh, place in order to achieve your personal goals, depending on the faction that you are. And I mean, it's just a bunch of mechanics that literally could work as their own games. You know, separately. So I think that's why Anachrony. It's also on my on my heart, like as a, one of my favorite solo games. Definitely, definitely. I'm not I'm not gonna mention my top five yet, but uh, in the future I will. But definitely Anachrony. It's on my top ten, and just because at the same time, Euros. I have to say uh, that yes, I like them, but I'm more inclined toward uh, towards thematic, as you know, Mark thematic and and narrative games or dungeon crawlers or stuff like that. I mean, I'm I'm Mary Trash definitely. I mean, I have to go with the Mary Trashes. I think they're, I mean, they bring a little bit of more fun, especially when I play my soundtracks on the background of my game room and I start to roll some dice, try to read some cards, some text, and I let myself immerse in the game. Um, but if I have to choose a solo Euro game, I mean, this will probably have to be it. I think Anachrony is very very hard to beat on that. What will be your rating, Mark? Zero to five. Uh, again, and and this is bizarre because. Um... I haven't explored the full box yet. So I'm going to, you know, I know I, I put Klaus Barrett at four and a half, but I'm going to put this at kind of a 4.2 at the moment. Okay. Because I need, I need space. Yeah. To actually play the rest of it and, and expand that thought. So although it's higher up, in terms of my kind of uh, current top five, more room for it to grow there, if you like, yeah? Does yeah. that make sense? It makes completely sense. Now, let's take the time machine as we're talking about time traveling. And I want you to tell us more. How did you start in the hobby, Mark? Like, actually, like, um, you know, the, uh, how, how long were you in the hobby when you decided to, you know, uh, <laughs> brought the content creation? Now, I know we talk about this on our first round with you on the previous episode. Yeah. But I feel like, once again... That episode is world, isn't it? Go and check it out because actually it was a, like a year ago, and and you will see the transgression of the of of I I'm I'm I dare to say from Mark and from myself as well in our both yeah. uh, paths of content creation. But I feel like this since this is a more quality, um, uh, higher quality episode. I feel like you deserve this, Mark. <laughs> so uh, tell us about you know 
when did you start in the hobby? And then what was it that, you know, that, that pushed you to, okay, you know what, I'm going to content create. Because I guess yeah. like a lot of solo content creators out there, it, it, they basically think sometimes like, you know, well, might as well play solo, might as well get to grab the camera and record myself. And, you know, if one person watch it on the other side of the world, like in your, in your case, if one person watch it in Argentina, or in my case, if somebody watched it in Australia, well, I mean, I think it's worth it. But tell us more about that. Like, let's take the time machine. Let's yeah. get their research from the present, give them to Mark on the past, and make sure that Mark from 2021 pay those resources as well. So, um, yeah, the time machine. How, how long have I been in the hobby then um so January of 2019 so I am still a baby in the hobby okay. um I'd, uh, I'd I'd gone through some uh some health issues I'd had a I'd been diagnosed with a tumor uh, in my salivary gland in my parotid gland um mm -hmm. and work had, uh, had, had caused massive amounts of stress my previous job had caused massive stress and I'd also been a, a thing to do to give me time that would allow me to um, uh, relax a little bit more. So kind of my family, my wife and my two daughters weren't really that bothered about playing board games and I knew board games was a way forward. And I just came across an article on solo board games um, and I thought, I'd give it a go. And mm -hmm. uh, and I ordered my first solo board game, which was Mage Knight, believe it or not. And that was in January <laughs> 19. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I spent kind of... Um, Uh, I, I, I spent uh, the best part of a week learning how to play the game, and then I, I started playing the game and set it up, which took an hour, and then played it over three or four days. And I must have played it, I don't know, 50% correctly that first time, but I was hooked. <laughs> it was something I could do. Yeah. I could lose myself in it. I, I could de-stress. I wasn't looking at a screen. Uh, at a screen, you know, I, I was turning off from work, etc., spending time with my family, and then sitting down in the dining room and, and, and playing Mage Night. And I was instantly hooked looking for more and more games and throughout all this period as well you know i got my health under control um i uh yeah uh, my, my job changed anyway eventually but um i got my health under control like medication i started exercising eating better i had the um the operation to remove the tumor from my face which was thankfully benign so the tumor was in my salivary gland okay but it was a real point for me i was kind of 48 at the time i'm now 50 um so i was 48 at the time you're kind of approaching that part of life where you suddenly realize that mortality is there and you need to do things to look after yourself and therefore solo board gaming became a way that i could switch off from everything focus on something that i really enjoyed lose myself for a couple of hours and completely de-stress so that was in january 2019 and then By August of 2019, I thought, ah, I'll, uh, you know, I'd, I'd watched, I'd, I'd absorbed loads of reviews, but there was nobody I could see doing what I wanted. There were plenty of long pay playthroughs, but there was nobody talking in depth about a game for a long time. Now, my real life job, I'm a, a business development director, uh, and therefore sales has always been in my uh, in my blood, and the ability to talk has always been okay. in my blood. Uh, and I, I, I just dabbled my hand and I thought, right, I'll, I'll just give this a go. So I, I did a, a review on Deep Space D6 and I thought, I'll put it out there and see how it, how people react. And it went okay. I think it was like a 30, 35-minute review or something like that. And then I, I thought, oh, that's good. I'll do another one. I, and then I did, um, I did, it might have been Brook City, which was, again, another 30 or 35-minute Suddenly, this format came about where mm -hmm. I wanted to speak in depth about games. Now, whether people agree with me, want to tune in for an hour or not, that's completely up to them. I don't necessarily do this for people. Mm -hmm. I do it because I enjoy the creation process. And if somebody <laughs> yeah. wants to come and join me on that, somebody wants to come and join me on that journey, then that's absolutely fine. So now I get to play games, and I get to play games, you know, to relax. 
I get to kind of express myself creatively by making videos and talking to it. Yeah. And as a real kind of positive byproduct of that is I get to meet great people in, you know, in the hobby, people like yourself or, oh, thank you. or, um, yeah, you know, or Mike Kelly from One Stop Coach Shop, or Will Brown from Hungry Gamer, or Adam Smith from Rolling Solo, yeah. or you know, people like Randall over at Eagle Griffin, David Turchy, the guys from Chip Theory. Suddenly, I've got this wealth of people that I can just talk to at any one point, and it feels great. It's just another expression. I don't, even though I'm a solo gamer, I don't feel isolated in any way, shape, or form because the hot the people in the hobby, not just publishers, but the people who play games and uh, you know just for fun um so now yeah it's not just people who are reviewing games and publishers it is also people that are just playing games in the community and as a solo board player it's just a wonderful wonderful sense of in- inclusion and i and i i totally agree i mean the, the fact that it's funny because even if we are in the solo board gaming aspect per se I mean, we're, st- we're still not isolated at all. I feel the same thing, and I share the same thoughts that you're saying uh, as this route have tell- had, uh, took me to um, met very interesting people, very nice people. Some people like yourself, like you know that now I, I can call my friends, that actually we had, a- we had a planned adventure on Jenkins together on 2020, and it didn't happen because stupid COVID. Uh, and I'd I'd even, I'd even bu- we'd even book plane tickets to yeah. uh, you know, the hotel to stay near where you live, yeah. Yeah, I remember. I mean, the plan was, and I will share it, I mean, you were going to stay in a hotel that is like 10 minutes away from my house, and I was ready, you know, I, I already had my routine where, well, you know, I'm going to go and pick up uh, Mark in the morning and then we're going to go to breakfast. Then we go to Gen Con. We spend the whole day there. We were trying to, you know, arrange some plans with publishers. You and I will probably will be sort of recording some stuff, playing, you know, uh, even like touristing, I guess, around downtown Indy. And then we probably, when they close the, the vendor hall, we're going to go in the other playing hall for a while, probably for the whole night. And they will come. We actually had plans that you were coming with your wife. And and yeah. my yeah. wife, my wife Erica as well was going to spend some time with her, and then probably I don't know I, I don't know if, if your wife was planning to go to Django. but anyway, we had a a broad uh, you know planet and amazing fantastic adventure that we were going to do together, that I hope it happens again. I don't know if you are you actually coming to 2021, and if not, I hope it happens in 2022. I, I don't know about 2021, um, just because travel from the UK is still very much restricted at the moment. So um, I think 2022, um, you know, in an ideal world, yes, I'd love to be able to go over there for 2021. But um, realistically, I don't I don't think it's going to happen, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is fine. I think, you know, next year is going to be a completely different place. I have just... Uh, book tickets for UK Game which has just been uh, announced it's happening at the end of July. So I'm looking forward to going to an exhibition this year in the UK. Uh, I would still love to come to Gen Con this year. How the world is uh, how the world is recovering first. Yeah, I know. I understand. Like once again, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I guess it's just mm-hmm. like the convenience of, of of me, you know, living in the same city. So that's changed. That changed completely uh, everything. Uh, and I'm with you. If I if I were I don't know even in the U.S. If I were I don't know in New York or if I were in L.A. or something like that, I probably wouldn't you know sh- try and were planning to join Jenkins 2020. But just for the convenience that a I, I'm literally 20 minutes away from the convention center where he's where he's held it. I mean, might as well just try to go there and see see how it goes. Of course, with all the precautions. Exactly. All the precautions, you know, wearing a mask, uh, you know, trying to keep social distancing as much as we can, uh, you know, try to, uh, you know, be vaccinated, which is uh, something that I feel like we all have to do uh, in order to yeah. help, help each other. 
but yeah, I mean, so so I'm looking forward for when the world also comes back to normal. And if this is going to be the new normal and something that we will have to learn to live with, well, you know, at least we're going to be in a place where, okay, now we know it's there. Now we know how, you know, uh, how to live with it, basically, and how to come back to our normal lives, come back to our normal events, yeah. concerts, sports events, conventions, which I'll miss a lot. Not only gaming com conventions like Comic-Cons and stuff. So, I mean, I, ju I just look forward, Mark, for that time uh, where we come back to normal. And it's crazy because if somebody would have told us this, back on 2019 or even in early 2020 i remember actually my wife telling me on like in december of 2019 of january 2020 like hey there's a virus you know and the, the news in in it's hitting in in asia and it's going to europe and whatever and i mean even that i didn't thought that it was going to be a big of a deal you know i mean exactly even even i still remember mark watching on the news the a cruise you know that stopped on the on the coast here in us And some people were infected on that cruise, and they were like the first people in U.S. kind of like getting the virus. And and you know, I I remember still watching the news and being like, I don't think this will be a big of a deal. This thing will go away in a couple of months. Uh, you know, I mean, I will go to Jenkins 2020, and everything will be fine. And next thing we know, <laughs> we're in a completely yeah. different world. Kind of like a an acronym, right? Of course, that that's not extreme, but <laughs> like we got the we got the uh, the COVID, yeah. and it changed it changed things. Mark, yeah, if we could, yeah, let's go to your number three, Mark, because I know before you talk, there is a game that I hope it's on your list. That, um, I don't have this that holy grail game yet, Mark. I feel like I've been playing a bunch of games that are very close to be my holy grail on gaming. And yeah. one of the kickstarters that I went in recently, and in a big part because of you, because of your videos, <laughs> because of, of chatting with you, um was a nemesis so i went all in for the first pledge yeah. if that makes sense so i didn't yeah. get any anything of the expansion but everything for the for the first pledge expansions from the first pledge uh dice tower promos from the first pledge i even got my my cat my plush cat to use it as a as a first player token uh, i got some merchandise from them anyway i bought everything that was out there for the first pledge Uh, yeah. from Nemesis, and uh, I'm looking for Nemesis to become my holy grail of solo gaming. I'm looking for Nemesis <laughs> to be that game that I will be like, you know what, this is it. Like, this is it, this is it, and it will be something very hard to beat it. And if it's, yeah. if, if Nemesis is not your number three, that's completely fine. Yeah. But I hope, I hope I will hear the name Nemesis on your list. So, tell me your number so, three. So, it's, it's, It's Nemesis. Of sure. course it's Nemesis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm glad that it had to be there. Good, good, good. Tell me more about I, it. I think, so Nemesis for me was, um, uh, I went down to UKG in 2019, so UK Games Expo, um, uh -huh. and I'd heard about it, and I'd gone into board gaming too late, and I missed the Kickstarter. I didn't even know about Kickstarters. And okay. I'd seen pictures of Nemesis on the internet and people talking about it, and I thought, And, you know, this looks like a game I'm really going to enjoy. And I know, like me, Derek, Alien and Aliens, uh, a couple of your favorite films, basically. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean out, of, out of the two of them, I'm an Alien fan. I think you're an Aliens yeah, fan. Yeah, yeah, like, but, yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah. But I, I love Alien. It's, it, it's firmly in my kind of top three movies of all time, Alien. Um, and therefore, I was really, really excited. And the first thing I did when I went into UKG and kind of uh, whenever it was May 2019 is I ran to the Awaken Realm stand. 
I was the first person there, <laughs> and I bought a copy of Nemesis, and I probably paid more for it than than, than people are paying right now, and I didn't care. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I spent some good time at UKGE, but all the time I'm thinking I need to go and play Nemesis. And I went back and I devoured the instructions, and I played it, and I was just blown away. It's not a game for everybody, but for me, um, when we talk about theme, it drips in theme. I feel isolated. I feel a sense of tension in Nemesis. I feel a sense of the fact that. It's not the fact that I'm going to win. It's the fact that how can uh, it's I'm going to lose. So there's kind of a 95% chance I'm going to lose in Nemesis. And some of this is going to be within my control and some of it's going to be outside my control. And I'm okay with that because that's like life. That's like real life, if you like. So on the couple of occasions, and I played Nemesis a lot, maybe only won it maybe three times. On the the few times I've won Nemesis, uh, I really, I sit down and I said, it up i know you know i can turn the lights down i put some moody music on i pour myself a whiskey and i'm gonna get tears i you know i know people playing yeah. i've played in multiplayer played with my wife i played with some friends and they've all had a great time and, and a tense time playing it but i that sense of isolation that foreboding doom the fact that most times when i lose it i'm only just losing it it's just close to the end when i think oh I've done my objective. I can get to an escape pod. And then all of a sudden the queen comes and, and, and some intruders come and I'm overwhelmed and, you know, and I get slimed and, and, and whatever happened, or the ship explodes because too many malfunction tokens or fire tokens have gone on there. And that's what I love about it. It's the fact that it's, it's predictably unpredictable. And I think that's the great thing. And for me, and I've, I've spoken um, to Adam Kopinski, the designer quite a few times now I've interviewed him, etc. Um, and, and we've spoken outside of that. And I think he designed something that absolutely just scratches that itch of a haunted house movie, if you like. And that's what Alien is. It's a haunted house movie set in space yeah. where the walls are closing in, things getting tighter. And it just hits so many spots for me. It's the first game I truly played where I just thought, that's never leaving my collection. I'm, you know, that is always going to be a favourite of mine. And uh, yeah, it's just a phenomenal. I really hope, Derek, that you enjoy it as much as I do. If not, I'm sorry, um, <laughs> but I'm not sorry because I think you need to experience the game when you get it. I feel, I feel like if I don't like Nemesis, I mean, here's the thing. I feel because also all the hyped, which is could it could be a double blade, uh, you know, situation because yeah. I'm being hyped since before the campaign. Um, you know, and, and, and it, there's been multiple situations that the opportunity has presented to me to buy a. I think it's a first edition copy, but I I didn't yeah. want to buy it or or get it just because I'm waiting for my Kickstarter that I pledge all in and that I invest my real yeah. money <laughs> on that. And 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 the hype could also be a little bit tricky and and, and dangerous because the, because of the more hype you create on something, the more you expect. And and if it doesn't yeah. reach that, uh, if it doesn't match that level of hypeness, I guess we want to call it, then you can. It, it could be dangerous because just even if it's good, but it doesn't reach that that level, you can think that oh, this is bad. This wasn't for me. Even if it's yeah. very good. So first thing, I hope it matched that level of hypeness. I hope it does. I'm really expecting with. I have never had this feeling with any other board game, with any other Kickstarter. Like sometimes I back so many things that. I don't remember I backed, and I, they just show up in my door like, oh, I remember I backed this is a year ago. It happens to me very often, which once again, don't do it, don't do it the direct way. 
that I forget to close the late, the late pledge and I forget to pay yeah, for shipping. Yeah. And there I'm here sending a bunch of emails to the publishers and be like, hey, do you be so kind and could you be some kind and open the pledge for me just in that way I can pay for my shipping since I forgot, uh, you know? <laughs> so, and, and sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And, you know, I mean, that's on me. That's my fault. But Nemesis, since the first day of the campaign, I've been eager eagering like i can yeah. picture myself already on the game room you know i'm gonna dim the lights like it's gonna be just to the point that i can see the board and and you know be comfortable with it and i already have my uh i bought the three vinyls for the three first movies of aliens because i'm a vinyl sucker as well and i like to play my soundtracks with yeah. vinyls i already went and buy the vinyl pro from for from prometheus which is one of my favorite movies from the whole alien franchise i already watched the whole franchise again and i will watch it again as i play the game and you know, the hype is there, Mark. The hype is there. I watched your, your video of it. It's fantastic. I watched the Adam Smith uh, playthrough of Nemesis, which he has a crazy die that I don't know. He, he always avoided noise. I mean, at this point, I feel like I could do a review in the game just because I have seen so many videos and I know the rules. Like, I'm literally just ready to, okay, put it on the table. <laughs> of course, I got the neoprene mat. Of course, that's out of the question. I mean, that's that. you know Derek, he will go for neoprene. Um, so... I'm very excited, Mark. Let's go to BGG, of course, like uh, we've been doing. Uh, Nemesis, it's a number 24, which is, you know, very close to that high numbers of Nemesis if you think about the whole database of games. I don't I don't even know how many games they have on their database, but it's like a huge, huge amount of, of, of games. But it's in 24. Thematic number 8, of course it has to be. It's a super thematic game, even if I haven't played it. Yeah. For what I have seen, what I hear from you, it has to be a super thematic game. Uh, it was made on 1218, 12, uh, and it's basically you try, like in the movie, survive an alien-infested spaceship, but be aware of other players and other and their agendas. Um, you know, I have heard many, many uh, people in the hobby saying that Alien has, the franchise has two games that I love. It has uh, the one from Legendary, Aliens, the building game, which I think is a fantastic game. I, yeah. I, I really love it. And once again, uh, talking about replayability, Mark, on that game, once you finish the the five, six scenarios from the base game, if you play again, it's basically playing the same thing, which I don't have anything against to. And we will talk a little bit more about it. There's so many things that we have to talk about, Mark. Um, <laughs> and so replayability is one, uh, which we already touched base a little bit. I don't care because for me, when I watch a movie, and if it's a good movie, I have my, my selection of movies that I watch every year, and nothing is going to change. Yeah. Nothing is going to change. I mean, I know still Marty McFly is going to you know be in trouble at the end of uh, Back to the Future 2, and he's going to be back to Dr. Brown, and he will say, well, I just sent you to the future. Well, I came back and all this. I know that, but I will still watch it and get you know excited with the soundtrack and, yeah. and almost... I'm most tearful. I know that Interstellar, what's going to happen, but I like to watch Interstellar just because I love the movie and I can watch it many, many times. Same goes with Batman. I can watch even the worst Batman, George Clooney, and I can still enjoy it just because I know what's going to happen. It's not like you know, something new is going to discover. <laughs> but um, with, with, uh, with the deck building I was talking about, I mean, it's the same, but it's so fun. Then it come Aliens uh, from Nine Gate. Uh, what is it called? Nine... Oh, I forgot the name of the uh, publishers. Uh, uh, Gale Nine. Gale Nine. Gale. Yeah, they came with. Uh, Gale, is it Gale Nine or Gale Force Nine? Whatever it is. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. It's more. I don't know if you have played, but it's more, more tacti-ish. Uh, you know, it's, it has definitely definitely the theme for this from the second movie, Aliens. It's there. Um, I, I what I hate about the game is putting all the miniatures together. I hate it because my fat fingers. Yeah. They just feel out of glue. Um, but anyway, but Nemesis. Everybody says that Nemesis. If you're looking for an aliens game, this is it. Like there's no yeah. nothing else. 
uh, just as yeah. you. Aliens is one of my favorite franchises. If you have never seen Aliens, I don't know what's wrong with you, but go and watch it after you listen to this podcast uh, because it's it's you can start from Alien 1, Aliens, and then go on and so forth. It's just a great franchise. of has action. It has horror. It has tension. It has uh, drama. It has... You know, everything, everything. It goes back to the classic quotes from uh, 80s, 90s American films, you know, like uh, quotes that, you know, that people recognize. So if you like Predator, which is another great movie, I mean, you know, you have to see in those movies. Uh, but anyway, I'm looking forward, Mark. I'm really looking forward. I haven't been excited for a game just like I am from Nemesis. The dual blade that I was talking about is that I feel like if I don't like it, I don't know what I'm going to do, Mark. Like, I don't, I, I don't know if... Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if... Is it worth it for me to stay in the hobby? <laughs> Is it worth it for me yeah, to... I mean... You know, I think... I don't know if we can be friends then, Derek, if you don't like it. That's the thing. <laughs> I know, right? Now, I, you know, I, I hope it's for you. And everything I know about you and your playing style and your playing habits and the games that you like, I think you're going to love it. I absolutely think you're going to love it. Um, you know, I'm pretty much like you. I'm, I'm sold on it. I went all in on the Kickstarter for the expansion and everything else with the neoprene mat, etc. Um... So, yeah, I, I just think thematically there's nothing else out there. It won't appeal to everybody, um, and, and that's absolutely fine. Uh, but I think knowing you, knowing you, some of your likes, very similar to some of my likes, I can't see you not liking this game. I will be very surprised, should I say, if you don't like Nemesis. I hope I like it. Now, how do you feel about re replayability, Mark? Because not about Nemesis in general. For example, I have another game that i mean it's not a big game or anything like that and actually it wasn't like a game that i hit very well with with all the crowd but i'm talking about the planet of the apes from idw i don't know if you have played it's a very under the radar game it was making a lot of fuss on jenkins 2017 i believe now i'm yeah. a huge fan of that franchise as well uh, and that ha plays a big bias but I, i wanted to bring that game to the table as an example that if you play that game mark it's like watching planet of the apes part one With a Jatsy mechanic, okay. so but you 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 just playing, you know, through the uh, scenes of the movie, and uh, and either you get lucky with your roles and you're able to you know make General Taylor to survive the whole, or Colonel Taylor to survive the whole uh, movie, or uh, you don't, and that's it. And you have like a track where okay. you where you have the apes and and it has an ape track with a Statue of Liberty track, of course, like in the ending of the movie, big spoiler out there. I mean, the movie was made in 1960, so if you haven't seen it, yeah. well, too bad. <laughs> But <laughs> it ends with the Statue of Liberty on the beach. Uh, and then uh, you have that track, and you have, you know, Taylor track as well. But if you play the game again, yeah. it's basically the same game. And we can talk about Black Orchestra, which is another game that I like, that I know in Europe, it, I mean, somebody was telling me that it wasn't accepted with the same, some regions of Europe with the same, you know, I guess kindness, like the rest of the world, just because, of course, okay. mainly in Germany, I mean, it's not very fun to play about the events that happened, right? Uh, but, yeah. um, you know, it's the same thing. Like, you play the, they play the game, and it's the same thing over and over. You can replay, and it will be the same thing. Do you think replayability is something that is just in our minds, and now we tend to think about it all the time, versus, <laughs> you know, like... I think... Versus when you play a game multiple times... Go on, sorry. No, no, no. I mean, I was saying like versus you can play a game multiple times and it could be the same, but you still enjoy it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it depends on why you're playing a game in the first place. So, um, you know, are you playing it for the journey or you're playing it for the destination? Are you playing it to master it or you're playing it for the experience? You know, it depends on on, on, on what you are. I'm very much a journeyman, um, a board gamer. I like whether I win or lose is 
muster any relevance. Of course, I'm yeah. playing to win. But if I'm enjoying the experience, I really don't care about whether I win or lose. I want to win. I'm very much about the journey and not the destination. So therefore, if I enjoy that journey, I've got no problem in playing it again. So you mentioned I've never played an IDW an IDW game, so I can't speak for Planet of the Apes. Um, but when I think about a game like um, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, mm-hmm. which is a similar thing, it's the movie that you're playing, or essentially the movie that you're playing in two acts. There, yes, you have the kind of the book which gives you different uh, a different narrative, a slightly different narrative, and different people. But you're essentially going to be doing exactly the same thing. That doesn't stop me going back and playing mm-hmm. um, Big Trouble in Little China again because I enjoy that experience. So I think replayability is it's probably a carryover of when people weren't buying as many board games. Now, people are buying a lot of board games all the time now. And, uh, you know, we talk about replayability, but in reality, I've got plenty of games out in my collection for a year. So am I really that more selective in buying games? People like you and I who tend to buy a lot of games, it's a little bit less important because um, I've got a new game to come along and, and shove that one out of the way a little bit. So so it's less important. But it is, I want to feel the sense that actually, I, you know, even if I don't play it a lot, I, I want you know I want to feel the sense that I want to go back and play that game. So yeah, uh, replayability can be important um, depending on who you are and depending on what you're looking to get out of the game. If you're looking to win and once you've won it, that's it, then yeah, is it really important? All you're doing is looking at, at honing your techniques and your skills in that game. For me, I'm very much a journeyman, as I say. I enjoy the journey of the game, so I will go back and play games even if I've won yeah. them uh, quite comfortably in the past if I've enjoyed the experience. Yeah, I know, and 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 I agree because that's something that we be, we were talking recently. Also, once again, with one of my my fellow gamers, that we we think that if if nobody, let's say, when when the reviewers from board gaming started, right, the first review for board gaming, if they wouldn't mention at any time the word replayability, it probably wouldn't be there. And I, and I feel like now, once again, going back to the very subjective reviews and stuff, I feel like we tend to go with the replayability aspect of a game, also to kind of like, you know, determine if it's a good game, if it's worth it, if it's not worth it, uh, coming from the guy that doesn't do too much research, of course. But, um, you know, I feel like, once again, if like you were mentioning, if you're that type of gamer that you're, you know, constantly on a fairly manner getting new games, I feel like replayability shouldn't be an issue because just as you, I have many, many, many games here that they're supposed to be campaign games and I have I have not even advanced a quarter of the game. Just like I wanted to, I want yeah. this is a good chance for me to say like, uh, uh, just for you to know how great of a person is Mark. I mean, he just uh, not too long ago he sent me a completely free a copy of Tainted Grail, which is a game that I'm enjoying, I'm playing, and I'm loving it. But I'm still like in chapter five, just because I want to keep going. But at the same time, um, you know, there's more games that are coming and that that are that are you know playing and stuff. So. I think so. So 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 often we think very seriously about replayability when we should be thinking probably about the re-enjoying it. I guess if that were re-enjoyment of a game versus yeah. replayability. I mean, yes, you can have a game that will give you like Gloomhaven, right? Like it will give you seventy or eighty scenarios that it will have. It will take you a lifetime to play them. But are you gonna really enjoy every single one of them, or is it gonna be more like a burden that you have to finish the campaign? versus a re-enjoyment aspect where that it could yeah. be like it could be the same dice jatsy game that you play over and over but guess what every time that you play it over and over you get those epic roles that put you at the, at the edge of your seat either solo or with friends so i think that's 
sometimes it's more important to stop and think about it versus, you know, how many playthroughs I'm going to get of this game. You're going to get as many playthroughs as you want as long as you enjoy it, right? You can play the <laughs> same the same tutorial scenario for Cloudspire per se, but if you enjoy that scenario, you can, you can play it a hundred times and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And I think we also run the risk of, as board gamers, uh, hoarding board games, keeping too many. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, if, if, if I'm trying to be more streamlined in my collections, if I buy a game, I'll play it until I've had enough of it and then I'll sell it. And yeah, I'm going to make you know, pennies on the pound or whatever. So maybe yeah. I buy a game for 50 pounds, sell it for 20 pounds. But that's okay because I'll put that 20 pounds towards my next game. And then if at some point in the future I want a game that I sold two years ago, I'll just go out and buy it on the second-hand market and play it again when I feel the need to, to buy it. So I think we need to be a little bit more um, potentially um, uh, on top of how we churn our games collections. Yeah. Not worry so much about replayability. Play it until you've finished enjoying it, and then if you don't enjoy it anymore, sell it, and that's okay. That's yeah. not, we don't have to keep every game we buy. Yeah, and I think I think that's another another great topic that I know it will take a lot of time, but about the, the gaming collection, like... I know at which point it, it's okay, even if regardless of the space, because I hear very often, you know, uh, people uh, either here in America or people in Europe or people in South America or different regions in the world. I hear this very, very, very uh, common. Well, I only have 200 games because those are the games that I can fit on my game room. Or I can, if I have a huge basement, I don't care about that. I, I can have 2,000 games. But at the end of the day, we're not gaming stores, right? So I think it's also healthy, regardless of the space, um, think about what type of gamer you are and also, or what type of gamer we are, and also go from there and try to purge collections. And, and like Mark said, there's nothing wrong. And, you know, it took me a while, but it's nothing wrong. I realize that now to, to sell games or, or to trade games or even to give away games. Um, because yeah. I, I'm, I, and I will say it, I, I, I'm the kind of person that it even it's even painful for me to throw boxes away from expansions or things like that, that I won't use it. It's even painful for me to throw the crappy inserts that I hate with all my energy from Fantasy Flight games that they're wordless. It's just you're killing another small tree over there because your inserts are yeah. wordless. But even to throw yeah. those away, it hurts, you know? So I think it, 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 that's an important part of, of, the, of the hobby as well. Once you're in the hobby and once you're in depth, to be able to... To let go these these cliches, I guess, or these feelings or these taboos of, you know, yeah. like I don't need to own everything on the market just for the FOMO, right, or fear of missing out. Yeah. So exactly, there's only so many games you can play in a week, in a year, in a two-year period, and I think uh, the more you get into the hobby and the more games you get, then the ability to curate your collection becomes really, 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 really key. And I think, you know, uh, Brandon Waite, who did um, Solosaurus before Martin yeah, yeah. Gonzalez took over, um, I, I think I was speaking to Brandon once online. I think he has maybe any at any one time 20 games, maybe 15 games in his collection. Yeah. So he's really, really on point about, about just churning through the stuff that he knows he's no longer keeping. So I got, you know, I'm, I'm not quite in that position, but I did a big call earlier this, uh, a few weeks ago and I'm already looking around at some of my games and thinking, yeah, I'm going to do a second call shortly and just make more space for the games I want to keep. I've had enjoyment out of every game I've owned. How many some of them just need to go? How many games do you own, Mark? I'm curious now. Uh, probably. Now, after my call, probably 80. 80, uh, okay. And I'd like to get that down to round about 40 key games, basically, and that's it. So, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. It's even like... Uh, I, 
before the cull, it was probably well over a hundred, um, mm-hmm. but now it's uh, it's down to about eighty now. I think, yeah, yeah. And your plan, your your mindset is to uh, reach a certain number and just keep it there. So now, Mark, let's start with your number two. We're getting there to that number hundred. What is your number two? We are, and it's the second game in my top five from the same publisher, and that publisher is Chip Theory Games. And if anybody's seen my content, you know that. Um, this game, uh, I've never reviewed this game. Okay. It, it, it is a game that I talk about a lot. I, I engage with the community a lot, and uh, and I just utterly love it. I've got everything for it, like literally mm-hmm. everything for it. And that game is Too Many Bones. Uh-huh. I, oh, I, I, I remember the day that uh, I ordered it and, and the day that it first arrived and I went to pick it up from the post office and then brought it home and opened the box and and just, it was the first proper high quality board game that I'd got, like really where the components were something I'd not seen before um, and I fell in love with it instantly and just just throughout the next kind of 18 month period just continued to grow my too many bones. Now, I've now got the trove chest with everything packed inside there. Um, it's a game that I know if I can't think about any other game I want to play, I'm going to play Too Many Bones, and I can set it up on my table, and, uh, and I'm just going to have a fantastic adventure and a journey. I love the, the asymmetry of all the gear locks. Um, I, just love, I always play with two gear locks, and I love the interplay that I can get from the two gear locks. Just a game that just speaks to me on so many levels, and Derek, I know you weren't that enamored with it when you played it were you yeah yeah and actually too many bones before we keep talking about too many bones because we have to uh rank overall was is 48 on board game geek thematic 12 is strategy 31 so it's in 48 so that rings a big big flag for me uh 8.4 in general too many bones 2017 toss gobs of unique dice in an epic adventure uh and route uh, that you basically will be playing against monsters to a final boss showdown. One to four players, 60 to 120 minutes, age uh, 12 year plus, uh, complexity 3.8 out of 5. Designer, just as Klaus Peyer, Josh Carson, and Adam Carson. And the publisher is Chip Theory Games. Too many bones for me. My experience was just when I was very early in the hobby. And it was a time in my in my hobby life, I guess, that I was playing games also like this war of mine and things like that, which they were very, you know, um, immersed per se. And and everything basically that I wanted, it was like, okay, I want a game where I could live or die. I, I For some reason, I was in the mood like, you know, I didn't like games too much where, okay, you lose, well, you restart the round and you're okay, nothing happens, no big deal. Um, you know, I wasn't in that kind of mood for games. So... When uh, the, the the opportunity was presented to me about about cheap theory games and and you know um, this uh, game in particular, I felt like yes, I enjoyed it, but not as much. Now recently, okay. like uh, probably six months ago, and I think I told you this, um, I started to think, and I I think when I told you this, it was when you got this big big treasure chest for everything that you own which is beautiful i was able to see it you know on your shelf on the top part and you did a video of it i'm pretty sure uh, which is a beautiful uh, treasure chest where you put everything there anyway but that time i started to think hey you know what probably that was completely my mistake and i should give it another try and now it, uh, now that i'm in a different uh, mindset of games uh, you know, and uh, I grow, of course, you get more experience with games and stuff like that. I feel like if I play it right now, I will appreciate more the different mechanics because literally everybody that I talk about the game, they all love it. So that's, I mean, yeah. it's, it's your number two. I mean, come on, that that's a red flag for me there. So 
I mean, I need to try it. I need to, uh, you know, bring it back to the table and give it another opportunity and, and, and try it and see what, see what happens there. Now, if at that point, once again, we go back to subjectivity, if at that point it feels the same, well, that would be a different story. But I have the suspicious and the feeling, Mark, that once, once I play it again, it will become very close, just like your numbers, to be on those top games that I love. Yeah. So I need to try it again. I think so. And I think the thing about Too Many Bones is you can't just play it once and get a feel for it. There are lots of nuances in Too Many Bones that you only get to understand the mechanics of how the game works and, and, and what you can do after playing it a number of times. Yeah. You know, I know that some people don't like it. They think that the battle mat is too constricted. It doesn't provide enough choices. I don't get that. Um, I get that some people do, but I don't get it for me. Uh, yeah. I just enjoy this story that it takes me on. And it's, you know, it's not a very strong narrative because the cards are kind of uh, relatively disconnected, but you can create your own story as the as the journey goes on. But I just love building up the gear locks. I love building them up and trying different builds out with them, trying different combinations of gear locks, yeah. trying different bad guys. They have the campaign in uh, that you can uh, string together in uh, in Age of Tyranny, so you can string all the different bad guys together with splice and dice. Yeah, they, you can create your own tyrants to fight in there, and there's also a separate game mode in there called the um, the Nobulous Apprentice program as well. Undertow is a great way to kind of get into the game now, and I think that is a barrier for a lot of people. A lot of people, quite understandably, cannot justify spending a hundred and twenty dollars on 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 a board game and it is it's an expensive game because of the quality of the components yeah a lot of people don't think that you know ah, it's not worth the quality for me it absolutely is you know it's for cheap for uh too many bones i'd probably spend twice that amount knowing what i know about the game uh because i just love everything about it but absolutely the cost is a barrier to entry the rules again there's asymmetry involved like cloud spire so that can be a barrier to entry as well but once you've got it down, I never have anything than a great experience with Too Many Bones. That's my number two. I just, you know, it's, I'm not a completionist by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. But it's one of the few things that I've got everything for. You know, I, I definitely had, now after <laughs> this this uh, small uh, review that you're doing or, or sharing your experience, I definitely need to try it. And the components, I do remember, they were, um, you know, top-notch, like, I remember the personal neoprene mats. I, I used to enjoy the dice itself. They were very high quality. And I understand, oh, you know, yeah. I mean, we, we all and we all are in different situations. Um, but sometimes it can be challenging to get those type of games. Sometimes not that much. So I really need to to give it a try again. And And I know, Mark, I know once I try it again, most likely I will go down road, that road of, uh, you know, ending buying everything everything else for for the game so you know i need to, i need to bring it i mean come on it's your number two so i really need to enjoy it and play it and experience it again now mark let's let's talk about something something tricky here i know we're about to jump into your number one before we do yeah. that which kickstarters are you backing which kickstarters are you more ex most excited about which kickstarters are give you that are giving you that hyped just like you know trying to compare with nemesis and this that's fine that way you can have time to go to your phone and the app and all that stuff uh which yeah. i will do as well but do you have any tell me five particular kickstarters that you're like man i can wait until this you know gets to my table Okay, and um, that's that's kind of an easy, well, easy one. I've backed a lot of Kickstarters, and again, this goes back to you know we don't get sent everything, mm -hmm. and um, 
Uh, even some of the Kickstarters I previewed, I've then backed fully on there. So I'm just going to my Kickstarter list now. Okay. Um, so as I go back through the list, one of the key ones uh, I'm looking forward to is Primal. Okay. So uh, I've got the preview version still sat across from me here. Um, Primal is a monster skirmish game. You're battling a monster. Um, it's been likened to Monster Hunter, the video game. I mean, I'm, I've never really played Monster Hunter, and I'm not interested in Monster Hunter, the board game, because Primal just gave me this fantastic experience. There's a campaign involved. You level up your hero's positional play on where the monster is on this really small board uh, is really important on how they attack you and how you attack it. And then I've seen the Kickstarter grow and grow and grow since I did the preview. And Primal, for me, just gave me a feeling that was like the best parts. <coughs> excuse me. Yeah. Like some of the best parts of my number one game, which we'll talk about in a, in a wee while. So Primal is very, very, very much up on my list. At, uh, I wouldn't say it's number five. This list is probably not going to be in any order. Okay, um, fine. Also... Also on there, we've got Nemesis uh, Lockdown, which is the expansion to Nemesis. Mm -hmm. So I interviewed Adam Cooping about this, uh, and anything Nemesis-related is obviously well up on my list, so I'm really looking forward to that. Okay. Um, Perse Perseverance from Mind Clash, uh, the new David Turchi game. Uh, I was speaking to David earlier about this as well. He's, uh, you know, he's very excited about this, like he is with all these games, but he's genuinely excited about this. And if he's excited about it, then I'm excited about it as well <laughs> at the same time. Um, so I think that, uh, that that is going to be fantastic. Then I'm going to squeeze a few in right here. Right? Yeah, sure, sure, go for it. Um, yeah, so I've got, I mean, I've got so many uh, coming up. There's, there's games like maybe uh, Dire Alliance, which I played, which is which I'm looking forward to. There okay. is um, yeah. uh, Sniper Elite, which I'm looking forward to. But the yeah. three kind of key ones I want to mention at the end. First of all, we have Frostpunk, um, which um, I know we spoke about as well. Mm -hmm. And I played the TTS version, so it's designed by Adam Kropinski, who played Nemesis. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, who made Nemesis. Utterly brilliant on TTS. I mean, I played the video game. I prefer the board game. So looking forward to Frostpunk. I love what they've done with the campaign there. I'm really looking forward to that coming out. Then we have Burn Cycle from Chip Theory Games. Okay. So Burn Cycle, I, again, I got to preview that. And um, this is it's, it's unlike anything they've done before. It is a, a stealth game. Uh, you're playing robots breaking into a, a, an organization. A corporation over multiple floors, and it's a stealth game, and it's fantastic. Yeah, hacking into networks, you are breaking into rooms, you're avoiding other uh, kind of the security bots, etc. Really, and I know it's changed a lot since I previewed it as well in terms of some of the gameplay. I was uh, uh, reading one of the updates recently, so again, I went all in on Burn Cycle, but. <laughs> The one I'm genuinely most excited about is one that hasn't hit Kickstarter yet, and it, it hits Kickstarter on Tuesday. Uh, mm -hmm. And again, it's another Chip Theory games uh, game, and it's Hoplomachus Victorum. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've uh, I, I've got the, um, the the preview mod for Tabletop Simulator. So Chip Theory sent it over to me on Friday night. Uh, and I've been playing it pretty much nonstop since, and it takes the DNA of Hoplomachus and turns it into something completely brilliant. I mean, I love Hoplomachus, um, but this is next-level stuff. You have a, a an evolving campaign. You have travel involved. You're upgrading your fighters as, as, as the game progresses. You're fighting minions and battles on different arenas from different parts of the world. It's telling a story. 
it is, Derek, I can't tell you how good it is. I've been speaking to Michael Kelly and Liz Davidson, who both got the TTS preview as well. Yeah. And we're all of the same same opinion that this is something really, really special. It doesn't even hit Kickstarter until Tuesday. So I'll be doing a preview video on the TTS version over the uh, over the next couple of days uh, in line with that. But trust me, Derek, if you've never played Hoplomachus, you're going to want to check this out. It's gladiatorial combat, and it's just utterly brilliant and that is potentially the kickstarter i'm most excited for and it won't even hit it's not even hit kickstarter yet until tuesday and won't deliver for another what 12 months on top of that but that is the yeah. one at the moment that's shining the star for me you know hoplomachus i played it and i did like it a lot but nothing like you know to go over the over the top so that one i know i uh, i think it was through michael kelly that i found out as well um you know i'm looking forward for the kickstarter And I mean, since you're telling me, I'm gonna trust you, my friend. And I'm just gonna back. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. But uh, but I mean, uh, yeah, Oblomacus. I had a fun with it. Played it. Um, I mean, it was for probably it's the, it was I think the first chip theory games actually. So so you could you could tell it was like you know mechanics you know starting landing on on that game. Uh, but I'm looking forward for this, um, you know, second edition, I guess, if you want to call it, um, just because that's another theme that it will, it's very, very appealing to me as well. So I will yeah. definitely, I will definitely check it out. Do you have an honorable mention? Because, you know, I've been playing a game recently, um, you know, I've been playing a bunch of games, but one of the games that I've been playing recently, Mark, that I want to recommend as well, and I want to take the opportunity as we go with this list with you is uh, Wildlands by Martin Wallace. I don't know if you have heard about it, but it's basically like uh, from Osprey Games. Yeah. Um, it's basically, a, uh, if you get the base game, it's just like a skirmish game, kind of, where you can go two to four players. And then you have factions that you can buy as an expansions and different maps and stuff. But I was able to get the, the Ancients expansion, which allows you to play solo and cooperative, or cooperative. And Wildlands... It's been growing like very, very strongly in me. And it's, once again, it's nothing complex. You're playing cards and very basic actions and, and things like that. But it's great. And I highly recommend it, you know, for, for, I would say for everybody, because it's a game that anybody can play. I mean, you can play it with non-gamers. You can play it with gamers. You can play it solo. Yeah. And it's very good. Actually, uh, uh, Rolling Solo has a playthrough on the game and it's fantastic too. Have you played this yeah. game, uh, Mark? Because if not, I highly recommend it to you. Uh, yeah, I've not played Wildlands. I've heard of it, and I like uh, yeah, I like Osprey games. You say it's Martin Wallace as well, so I love Australia yeah, yeah. Uh, by Martin Wallace. In fact, I've just backed the uh, the big box expansion on that, so I've not played it. I will put it on my list of games to to have a look at. Um, but in terms of honourable mentions, right? So a couple. Um, my favourite solo game released last year, um, and I still need to assess it against everything to have a true top five. Is Dwellings of Eldervale? Okay. I don't, have you played it yet, Derek? Yeah. I, you know what? I played it. I didn't back the game. I played it with right. one of my friends, and probably, I mean, I, I enjoy the game. I actually, the same publisher made uh, Rise of Tribes, which they recently came out with a solo expansion, which it worked great. The components, top-notch. He actually, my body got the, the miniatures that you place on the yeah. map, and they make, like, the sound effect. And I was like, yes, you know, like a thematic gamer. I was all excited and like a child, you know, when they were trying to make the sound effects. And every time that he was placing a monster on the board, if he didn't make the sound, I was like, turn that stuff on in that way, you know. <laughs> I want to hear them roaring yeah. there. So, so it's great. I actually had very positive thoughts on the game, and it's been on my radar to get it. I know the websites still have some copies, and if not, I mean, of course, it's not ideal, but you can always go secondhand. But that's another game yeah. that I played. I played multiplayer. I don't. I have no knowledge of how it is or feedback or anything 
on the solo mode. So that comes from Human solo Fire. is fantastic, and that's why I say it's my favorite solo release of last year. And it's, it's. Uh, I just think the solo is streamlined and it's easy. Mm-hmm. And I know Luke Laurie, who designed it, is not. You know, he designed the game as a multiplayer game. Luke and Peter Vaughan, they mm-hmm. designed it as a multiplayer game. So the the, the fact that the solo um, was not designed as an afterthought, but wasn't a key part of the game, it works so very very well. I have never have anything less than a great time with that. But I'll tell you, a game that I backed on Kickstarter that I've just got, which I think you'll love. It's a big campaign game, uh, uh, and I'm absolutely loving it. I want more time to play it. It's Midara. Midara. Have you played Midara at all? I played it, uh, but with and one once again, one of my friends received a copy, and I played it as well. It's a great game. Great game. It's a game that I regret not backing. Yeah, just to tell you and that. I think they just put it available on their web store, mm-hmm. uh, and it only arrived a couple of weeks ago. And I'm kind of, I want to get other games off my table so I can get Madara back on there. So I played yeah. through the first kind of um, uh, the training modes on there in the Gauntlet, and I think it's just fantastic. And so that probably will rise up in my ranks over time. I think. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any other honorable mentions there? Because if not, oh, I, ha- I have I, I have another question for you. If you don't have any more. I've got so many, you know, the, the, the Street Masters. I Street Masters, uh, Street Masters, still there, yeah. Do you think Street yeah. Masters? Here's the thing, and and I, and I, I, that's a, that's a good point. Before we jump into number one, really quick, you know, with my recent experience with Alter Quest, it makes yeah. it makes me think. Uh, I own uh, I own Street Masters. I own Brook City. I back the Hour of Need. I back yeah. Dire Alliance as well. Now, Dire Alliance, I put like a parenthesis there because also that's from the same designer from Undaunted, so uh, from this guy, David yeah. Thompson. So that, I feel I feel like it will feel different, a little bit. I hope it feels different than the modular deck system that, you know, is very popular yeah. with Blacklist game. But at this point, Mark, this is my impression, right? I mean, once again, going to subjective impressions. I feel like Street Masters did a great job with the modular deck system. Then Brook City, it was kind of like the same, very similar, 90% of the same. You know, just different theme uh, and a different yep. way to play it. And then you have uh, Alter Quest, which I don't know if you have played or not, which is basically the same, but once again, yep. rethemed with fantasy. And I'm getting, you know, a little bit... I want to see different things from these designers because they are great designers. I mean, Adam Brady. Yeah. But I, 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 start, I, I start to feel like it's just retheme the the same system you know like just make another theme make a little twitch there and 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 th- there is hour of need yeah i feel for what i saw i feel like it would be even if that one i played tasted i actually with brady before COVID times it feels a little bit different but still yeah. the same core so how do yeah. you feel about that i mean not only not, i'm not trying to go here you know towards blacklist but how do you feel yeah. about you know, when when they're just in general publisher designs, when they're just, it feels like just retheming the the same product. So I've, I think I've I've had a similar conversation with uh, with Scotty at Blacklist Games on mm-hmm. this. Is the fact that um, yeah, I love Street Masters, Brook City, I like, don't love, uh, Alter Quest. Uh, I've got, I haven't played it enough to make a proper opinion. I've enjoyed my time with Alter Quest. I know some people like you, and some other people uh, I know and respect haven't quite enjoyed it as much as I have. Um, but yeah, it's it's starting to feel a little bit samey. Uh, and then we've got Hour of Need, and that's got the superhero theme. So I'm all you know, I'm looking looking forward to that. Contra is a similar thing. That's again using the modular deck system. I played Contra with Scotty at at, um, at Essen in 2019, and thought you loved it. I mean, I think it's a great kind of beer and pretzels game. Okay, it's good to see that what they've done with um, Lasting Tales. So what they've done there is they've taken the um, uh, the tabletop 
uh, miniatures game uh, with Lasting Tales. So that was their last Kickstarter, wasn't it, basically? They just fin- just finished on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with Lasting Tales, they've taken a tabletop miniatures game, yeah. and they, it's kind of designed around the same rule set as Call to Arms, the Elder Scroll miniature tabletop miniatures game. Yeah. I want to see what Blacklist do next, next. I don't want it to be an MDS game. I'm, I think I've got MDS fatigue. I like what they do. It works very well in some respects, not so well in other respects. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it would be nice to see them stretch their wings a little bit more outside of outside of that. So yeah, I'd be interested. You know, I love Blacklist. I think they're exactly what a relatively not small, but a, you know, a small to mid-sized publisher should be doing. Yeah. It's creating games that they love that they want people to love. And I love that about them. So yeah, but I do want to see something other than MDS from them now. Yeah. And I just mentioned it because you mentioned street master. It's actually one of my favorites too. I mean, probably one of my favorite solo games, just period, not, not from the only the MDS system, but uh, you know, I, I, I want to see more now regarding the, the lasting tales that one, I will recommend one that probably is even easier for you to get in from my fellow uh, friend from England as well from Manting games. And that's the walking dead, uh, the walking dead miniature game. That okay. one, that one, it's absolutely playable solo. Or uh, there's some uh, some scenarios that, of course, they meant to be competitive. But other than that, it's solo or cooperative, which of course translates to solo. And it, you know, that was one of my first uh, big games investment. And literally, it's just like just basically similar or fairly similar concept to Lasting Tales, where just with The Walking Dead, but everything is yeah. out there already. Uh, and I know Mantic, it's in England, so that's why I thought you know it would, it would be easier for 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 yeah. you guys to get it from over there. But it's a great game if you're looking for that miniatures, uh, tabletop, you know, game where you're measuring and and uh, line of sight and and rolling dice and trying to f- follow a scenario or campaign. And if you're a, if you like the Walking Dead universe, either comics or shows, this is definitely a game that it will be appealing to you. I haven't even yeah. done an episode on the podcast yet, and it's been once again. I think I think I got the ep- even the game before I started the podcast, but <laughs> uh, it's a game that I highly recommend, especially for my friends in Europe. I think it's easier to get versus us here in America, in America that we have to, you know, pay more shipping yeah. and stuff. But um, definitely, it's a worth to try the Walking Dead, the miniatures game from uh, from Mantic. Yeah. I, th- I think they just released an anthology rulebook which basically guides you through everything, everything. that has been out there. Yeah. So so check it out. Brilliant. Yeah. We'll but, do. Now, the other game that I want to ask you before we jump into number one is just, this is out of curiosity in my personal opinion uh, and in my personal uh, gaming experience. I just got a small game that I bought it because I think you you have a playthrough and it's Solar Storms. Small game. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I have it here in my hands actually by uh, Aiden Lauthers. I hope I pronounced it correctly. Yeah. What do you think about that one? I mean, I'm looking forward to play it, but what, is your, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, so I had a, a great time with Solar Storm. It is a small box game. It's got a relatively small footprint. Now, I've never played Pandemic, but uh, I, I know that's a shocker for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never played Pandemic, but apparently it's very Pandemic-like. You know, you are resolving threats which are on the board in the form of cubes, etc., and you're trying to manage all those. And for a little kind of a, a kind of a nine-card game, or I think it's nine cards that you put out there, maybe 12, um, it's, it's a great little experience. I think... I played it I, uh, quite a lot when I got it. I enjoyed it, but then I ultimately ended up solving it, okay. and therefore it lost that kind of um, uh, that kind of sheen for me. However, you know, I haven't got rid of it because I know at some point I'll have forgotten how to solve it, and I'll just get it back out and play the game for twenty or thirty minutes, and and either lose or win. Uh, so yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. You know, it is what it is. It's not. It doesn't try to be a big game. Now I know 
Aiden is currently um, designing and uh, and getting ready for the kind of sequel, which is a far bigger version of Solar Storm. I can't remember what it's called. Um, but yeah, so there is uh, going to be a, a, a sequel coming out, which is far bigger, better artwork, more components, more more depth, etc. Really looking forward to how uh, seeing what Aiden does with that. But yeah, it's um, I think you'll enjoy it. It's a nice little game. Okay, then I will definitely bring it to the table. Probably even today. I have it here. It's, it's looking at me. It's telling me like, hey, play me, play me. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure today it will be the day that I will bring Solar Storm and I will share my thoughts with you and with all of you amazing listeners as we go through this series of episodes. Mark, now here's the time. <clears throat> here's the time for your number one, which I hope you choose carefully. That number uh, one, that if everything disappears, that's the only yeah. game that you will keep. That's the only yeah. game that you will... If somebody tells you, uh, you know, I need to take all your games, you can keep only one. This is the game that it will be. So I hope you choose yeah. wisely. I hope I hope you did. Uh, and, and, and I'm pretty sure you did at the same time because once again, <laughs> I feel like I relate a lot on your taste of, of gaming. Yeah. So that's why I'm sure that you did a great, a great choice here. But hit, hit us, Mark. Hit us with your number one from Not Board Gaming ever. So I think, you know, um, uh, this is a notoriously expensive game to get, a notoriously expensive game to stay with in the hobby itself. Um, it's slightly divisive in many, many accounts. I've done a review of it, and I, I gave my pluses and minuses for it there. And I always feel a little bit like I'm cheating when I'm doing my top 10 list and top 20 lists of the year. In fact, my last one for 20, uh, 2020, I called it my top 15 games I played this year without this particular game because I think it's always going to be my number one game. I can't imagine it ever being deposed, and it's a game I don't get to play enough, and that game is Kingdom Death Monster. Okay, Kingdom um, Death Monster, yeah. It, yeah, it is, you know, it's, it's what, it's three, four hundred dollars for the base game. And then, you know, uh, each subsequent expansion is a couple of hundred dollars or, or whatever it is. And I've probably spent as much on Kingdom Death Monster as I have on maybe two thirds of my collection. Uh, because I really, yeah, everything about it is just utterly fantastic. You, you know, I, you set it up and I know I'm in for hours if depending on how many uh, uh, um, how many lantern years, which is the rounds in it, if you like, or the timer in it, on how many of those I play, and yep. it is essentially it's a battle game. You know, you're gearing up your 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 survivors, and while playing through these wonderful, there's quite a few different um, uh, kind of uh, campaigns that you can play uh, in the game itself. You're gearing them up, you're building up a village. They're, you're giving birth to them, you're letting some of them die, you're trying to build your little society up and you're learning new stuff and learning new weapons and becoming more powerful. And all throughout this, you're then kind of building up to go out and hunt monsters. So the main core of the game is outside of the kind of civilization building aspect, which is a great fun part of it. Yeah. You then go on the hunt uh, for a monster. And then when you find that particular monster, you then go on to a uh, you then go on to fight that monster. And um, some of my battles as I get kind of uh, um, uh, further into a particular campaign and the, and the bad guys and the monsters, should I say, get stronger. And my survivors are stronger and more leveled up. I had one battle that took over three hours just fighting one monster. And that's only one part of the game. You know, the, the whole thing is it, it, it's... Uh, 
parts of it are highly random because it's a, a lot of it's a dice-based game. Mm-hmm. And other parts, it's all about mitigating that as well. It's got some very adult themes in there in terms of, you know, you're, you're, sometimes your survivors don't just die, but they their heads will explode as their eye gets bitten out or their head gets crushed. Or maybe, you know, if you're fighting the white lion, you're going to chop the white lion's testicles off. There's lots of kind <laughs> of, um, uh, uh, you know, some of, the, uh, some of the models are the stuff of nightmares with some kind of overt some kind of sexual tone to them um but it doesn't matter because you get lost in this wonderful dark world it's eminently expandable you can you know i I don't even i haven't even scratched the surface no matter how much i've spent on it it would never be enough i've barely scratched the surface on what you can get for it the models you have to put them together yourself and then you know i then got into painting models through buying kingdom death monster you got this big book where events will happen to you and you roll the dice and it gives you two numbers excuse me and you go to this big book of events and there are random events that will happen it's almost like a a a games master system it's a games masterless rpg if you like um and one campaign i've been playing my current campaign for well over six months now and i'm barely halfway through it and as i say i can play one lantern year in this campaign and each campaign is about 24 25 lantern years or until you die and one (laughs) lantern year depending on uh, on how you battle and how you fare, it can take up to three hours to play. And it's just fantastic. I will put the game up and I'll say to my family, right, this is uh, I'm taking this day on this month, uh, it's a Sunday or whatever, and I'm going to play Kingdom Death Monster all day. And that's it. I'll go up to my room, I'll set it out, and I will play it, and I will be lost in this world. And I don't care what else is happening. The, the house could burn down around me, and I would still be playing Kingdom Death Monster. I have just this wonderful, immersive, interesting, evolving, emergent narrative journey that is unlike any other board game I've ever played, ever. Well, that one is one that I haven't played, but that uh, I hear all the time. And it's like one of those mythic games that, as you said, just by the price, it's hard to get, you know? Uh, yeah. and, and not everybody has one copy of it and stuff. But that's a game that I'm looking forward. I don't know if they're going to even do another Kickstarter, you know, in the future. Um, but it will be a, definitely a game that if it comes out, I know it will be pricey, but I know at the same time it will be worth it. Uh, so so occasionally, occasionally they, they are for sale on the Kingdom Death store. And I know they've just had a... Um, they always have Kickstarters every year for the latest expansion, which then takes three or four years to come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the one that happened this year, they just uh, they launched the Kingdom Death Monster. I have Kingdom Death Monster 1.5. They launched 1.6, which is just a few rules tweaks, if you like. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you if you check on the kind of the Kingdom Death store, occasionally they will have copies that you can just buy off there anyway. But it is still three hundred dollars or four hundred dollars, whatever it's going to be, unless you wait for Black Friday. And uh, on on Black Friday, they always have a hefty discount on there. Oh, okay. So that's interesting. I'm pretty sure it goes, it gets sold out like super quick, but it, it's interesting to, yeah. find, to find out. So going to BGG, uh, Kingdom Dead Monster rank overall 39, thematic 9, 8.6 on the rating. Kingdom Dead Monster 2015, try to survive in a nightmarish world that lies under eternal darkness, as Mark mentioned. One to four players, age 17 year old plus. That makes sense with what you told us about cutting the lion testicles <laughs> in uh, 60 to 180 minutes. Weight, 4.2 out of 5. Um, I think still from your list, I think Cloudspire was the most complex game. Uh, then Decider, yeah. uh, Decider means Adam, I hope I pronounced it correctly, Adam Potts. 
and the puts puts yeah. sorry there you go you see my, yeah. my english is terrible man and publisher it's kingdom death which i guess this is the, the the main product from them of course that's a one game that once again mark i hear nothing but good things that yeah. i really i really really want to try it um you know probably on either when i bought it or on my next trip to england you know i would get a chance to immerse in that world with you which led led me to the final thing before we close up this fantastic interview mark that once again i really appreciate uh, you know your time and your your efforts and everything and your willingness to to share the microphone with uh, with us here in solo bg podcast but i want to hear mark at one recommendation only one from a board game that you have played if something that it cannot be played solo or cooperative one competitive game that you would recommend but once again it cannot be played solo or cooperative oh but you see my problem is um outside of the odd board game club night everything i've got is soloable so oh okay okay I think the one uh, one I enjoyed most at my um, at the board game night was Inish. Inish, okay. Yeah, which is an area control game. Oh I, no, I know. I, I take that back. Take it back. I take that back. Take it back. I, I enjoyed Inish. I just thought the one that was that was better that I I don't think is soloable, uh, and it was definitely a competitive game, and that was Chaos. Chaos in the Old World, I think it's called, uh, which is an out-of-print game. Chaos in the Old World, or something like that. Bear with me a second. Yeah, search, search, because we want a recommendation with names, and that way we can look for it. Uh, Chaos in the Old Now, I have to say, amazing friends, that this question, I didn't have planned it with Mark before the episode. I just throw it out there. You know, it it occurred to me. I mean, at some point, (laughs) we all had to play. At some point in our life, we play games fully competitive. So so I want to know about that. Chaos in the Old World, that's your recommendation as a competitive game. It's an Eric Lang game from uh, from uh, quite a few years ago. It was Fantasy Flight, so it was 2009. Mm-hmm. Three to four players, so it's a three-player minimum game. Um, it's out of print now, I believe. Um, uh, and it was a fantastic area control game where you've got different powers happening and different factions with asymmetry on there. Thoroughly enjoyed my play on that. I will never own it because I will never play with three people, but it was, somebody took it along to my game um, to when we could have gaming nights, etc., at my local game club, and yeah, I was I, I was literally blown away with just how good it was. So that is, if you can find it, I think it's fairly expensive on the second hand market now. Chaos in the old world. Chaos in the old world. I will have to definitely check it out. My friend Mark, before I tell you goodbye, let me let me say uh, hi to the people that had reached out from the last episode to this one in Solo BG. Uh, Tommy Ray on Facebook sent us a, a nice, very a very nice message. Uh, you know, basically saying that he like, likes the podcast a lot, that he actually was very kind and offered um, offer me the, the Jaws of the Lion uh, board game from Gloomhaven. I mean, the Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion board game, but I already own a copy, so he was very kind anyway, uh, and I really appreciate it. So thank you, Tommy, for, for following the podcast, and, and thank you for, for, you know, for sharing and listening. Also to Nelson Carreiro from Canada. Uh, he also told us that he enjoyed the episode that we did on Cubitos from AEG. Uh, thank you so much, Nelson, as well. I think he's on Canada. I hope if I'm making a mistake, Nelson, you can reach out to me and tell me. Also, uh, Albert Hernandez, he recently reached out through our email at solobgpodcast.gmail.com. Uh, he um, 
He basically said that he found the podcast in BGG, that he actually trying to listen the one in Spanish, uh, solo BGG podcast in Espanol as well. So, uh, hi, Albert. I think he mentioned, yeah, he has a one a one podcast actually called the One Player Podcast. So one check Player, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard, yeah, there's quite a few of those, yeah, yeah. Yeah, check it out because they're reaching their 10th anniversary, which is crazy. So, uh, I mean, I don't know, we haven't learned anything, but hey, if, if at some point they... they uh, reach out of course i mean we will uh try to do something so thank you albert for following as well and lastly i want to say hi to my good friend rafael lopez jr he reached out to us through instagram and he uh said that he's been listening to the podcast and some uh episodes in english that he's also looking forward to try some episodes in spanish so uh he was very kind as he chat to us through instagram so thank you so much remember that you can reach out to me in any of those ways facebook instagram twitter solo bg podcast or if you want to shoot me an email also you can do it to solo bg podcast at gmail.com and for not board gaming you can follow them please do on facebook not board gaming they have a very uh, active over there mark has a very active uh, facebook page over there he's always posting on every uh, uh, solo gaming group out there uh, also of course subscribe to the, his youtube channel because he's growing every day and the more the more it grows believe me just like i tell you uh, it, it helps him i'm pretty sure uh, you know to to double efforts to uh, invest more time and energy on top of what he's doing already Uh, and, and to create more content. So every subscriber matters, every view matters. Uh, you know, it's a way of support since, of course, I know Mark doesn't do it as well and neither do I. Uh, we have a patron or anything like that because we ultimately do all this for love and for, for the love <laughs> of hobby and for the love of the of the content creation. So so we're on the same page on Dotmark. So, and you can also follow him on Twitter, I believe, and Instagram at, as a not yeah, board absolutely. gaming, right? Yep. Okay. So there you go. You you have ways to contact Mark, contact me in many, many ways. Uh so that's that's cool. The only way that you don't have is the old fashioned letter, but that's because uh we don't share our addresses. <laughs> but other than that, you can reach out to us at any time, 24-7. And I know Mark is also very responsive as well. Mark, thank you so much for joining us, Mark. I really or for joining me, better say I always I always call in us like if it was two people doing the podcast when it where it's only me. Uh, but, um, you know, thank you so much, Mark. I always enjoy um, having uh, these conversations with you, especially when, once again, this is the second time that we record. I feel like we should do more recordings because for 100 episodes to be only two episodes with Mark, that's that's too little, you know. We had to do more and, and, and more episodes I together. I think as we found out, we've got plenty to talk about as well, Derek, and yeah. we both like talking. So yeah. I think definitely there. No, thank you very much for, uh, for, for inviting me on again. And thank you for everything that you do for the solo community as well. I think, you know... Um, The Solo BG podcast is a podcast that every solo player, uh, board game player, should be listening to. It's the definitive solo board gaming podcast. There are other great ones out there, but I know my first port call is always yourself, your enthusiasm, your passion, uh, and you're just just generally just an all-round nice guy as well. And that just makes it so, <laughs> so interesting to listen to. So thank you very much for having me on and for, have, for everything you do for the Solo BG community and also the Hispanic board gaming community as well. Yeah, yeah. We're trying to, we're trying to bring that one up as well. Uh, so, so thank you, Mark. Once again, it's always, you know, nice to... Once again, it's, it's crazy because in this solo hobby, we get to meet, like we talked before, so many people, so many wonderful people. And I think ultimately... That's the best reward that we can get from the hobby, even more than the playthroughs that we have and the epic adventures that we have. It's more the reward of making friendships, the reward of, of, of knowing that, in this case, somebody else on the other side of the speaker is listening 
and hopefully having a blast as we talk about fantastic games like Kingdom Den Monster. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> that was it. We're going to keep going with our series of episodes as we reach episode number 100. And like always, remember... For victory, go tell your friends. Till next time, see you through the speaker and at the tabletop.